Welcome to Hoopsal, everybody, on this Monday. If you've got questions for us, I am your host, Dave McHugh, and we would love to take them. You can contact us at hoopsal at d3sports.com. That's on your email address. That's hoopsal at d3sports.com. You can also join us on Twitter at d3hoopsal or hashtag hoopsal. You can email us, as we mentioned. You can join us on Facebook, facebook.com slash hoopsal. Lots of ways you can join us. You can also find us many places, whether it's our main page at d3hoops.com slash hoopsville, the show page, which, uh, well, actually, we're going to have to change that info that I got on the screen. I tried to get fancy and, uh, whoops, <laughs> uh, that's incorrect. We'll fix that in a moment. Um, and also, you can also get a hold of us uh, via social media, at d3hoopsville on hashtag, uh, at D3Hoopsville on Twitter, hashtag Hoopsville. You can also find us on Instagram there, by the way, at D3Hoopsville. You can also find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Hoopsville, YouTube, youtube.com slash D3Hoopsville. And you can find us, uh, am I forgetting anywhere? I think we got it all covered. Simulcasting on Facebook and YouTube as well. Uh, most importantly, we are at 80% of our way to our fundraising campaign. And we're hoping that you will consider, if you have not already, joining us on the cause. Uh, you can find our information on Venmo. You can just look up Dave McHugh on Venmo. You can also go to GiveButter, which is that QR code on the screen if you happen to be watching. Use that QR code, or we've got links on our social media, to donate to the cause. Uh, we would love to get to our goal by the end of tonight. Um, not that far off, to be honest. Um, but we'll see what we can do. But any help you can give us would certainly be appreciated, and we would certainly appreciate it as well. And there you go. So what happened this weekend? Anything in particular? <laughs> Great weekend of basketball in Division Three, to say the least. Upsets aplenty, of course, um, which the NCAA tournaments bring us, right? I mean, this is what we expect in the NCAA tournaments. Uh, we expect to see some upsets. We, see, we expect some things to, to go chalk. Not everything goes chalk. And we end up with committees that have to make tough decisions on who hosts the next weekend. Let's just take a quick look at some of the things that stood out. By the way, I was at Johns Hopkins. I thought Mitchell played pretty well in their game against the Blue Jays, uh, who seemed... I don't think they the Blue Jays look sluggish coming out, but they definitely seem like they got a little surprised a little bit by Mitchell's intensity. Uh, Mitchell played well, but Mitchell just didn't have the firepower to stay with Hopkins, despite how desperate or... or um, I don't mean desperate in a bad way. I just mean how desperately they tried to stay in the match. Um, but Hopkins just has too many weapons, even without Tom Quarry. That's the first time I got to see them in person playing without Tom Quarry. Certainly a difference, um, but I wouldn't say they're not bad. Uh, they're still a pretty good team. Uh, Mitchell played well. Uh, it ultimately came down to not having enough firepower, not enough bench, etc. I mean, we're talking about a school of 500 uh, their coach was hysterical throughout the game, um, making comments towards me. I got a good laugh out of him. Uh, the Hamilton-Montclair State game was just as good as I thought it would be. Interestingly enough, I, I chose Montclair State, I thought, would be the one who came out of that as a winner ahead of time, and I'm, I'm surprised I did choose that. Uh, maybe I was drinking too much of the Injac Kool-Aid. Um, Hamilton was is a good team, and what's scary about Hamilton is they bring everybody back. So they're going to continue to be a good team moving forward. Uh, Adam Stockwell's squad had a lot of different options. They're big inside. They also have great outside shooters, uh, physical guys. (laughs) 
Old Duncan Robinson-esque who can control the ball. Not surprising for an SCAC school, right? Um, halftime on the on the second round game against Hopkins. Not surprised at halftime. It was tied at 30-30. Um, I was more impressed with how Hopkins played in the second half. They uh, stymied Hamilton for good chunks of it. Their defense played pretty well. They continued to shoot well. Hamilton kind of went into a funk shooting-wise. Singh, their main ball handler, was apparently injured in the first half. I missed exactly how he injured himself. Some thought it was an ankle. Some thought it was a knee. Um, and it sounds like he removed himself from the second half. I don't, I don't know all the particulars, but he, he never played a minute in the second half, a second in the second half. Uh, and I think that hurt him a little bit because he actually started the game against Hopkins really well, hit a couple big shots that I thought gave Hamilton some momentum in that game. But uh, Hamilton looked like they were about to be down and out, a timely timeout, caught, called, and Stockwell's squad responded and got it to within four. And at one point I thought, well, maybe this tides have turned, but then Hopkins put its foot down and ended up winning the contest. So they're on to the next weekend. They'll head down to Randolph-Macon where they'll take on Wisconsin-Whitewater who did a really good job coming out of their pod. Um, not only getting the win over Wabash, 80-73, to but a hard-fought win over Case Western, 78-75. Case was down for a good chunk of it, and then I saw them come back. I was actually watching the game while public addressing my game. Saw them come back and take the lead, and I thought, all right, Case is back in it. This is a good sign. And then I don't know how long the run was. It felt like 12 points. Maybe it was, maybe it was less, maybe even a little more. But Whitewater took back control of the game in case had to come from behind. The fact that it was only a three-point win for Whitewater, I think, says a lot for how much Case fought to get back into that game. But Whitewater moves on to take on Johns Hopkins. And then the big matchups, Randolph-Macon versus Oswego there in Ashland. Uh, below that pod, Rowan looked uh, and had a big battle against Cal Luther, and I'm not surprised in the slightest, despite being Cal Lou being 13-13. We saw what they did in the Skyac tournament. I think they certainly deserved... Um, they deserved the fight, as it were. And uh, Rowan got a game there, but ended up winning by six. Took on Utica in the second game, who had gotten past Baps and then got the win over Utica, 83-72. Uh, Hope got past Bethany Lutheran. I think that surprised some. I, I It's how I picked it. Uh, maybe I was underselling Bethany Lutheran compared to others. Oshkosh got past Fontbon, and so it was Rowan and, and Oshkosh coming up. Uh, North Park. Big win over Swanee, and then a great game against WashU. Another game where you saw one team lead, and then and then another team come back. WashU looked like they had that game maybe in control, and uh, North Park came back on them. And it seemed like WashU player lost track of what happened at the end of the game. I, I think he lost track of the clock. Um, it was funny because they were in a timeout, so I went to go do a couple of other things and come back to him. By the time I got back to it, it was over, and I couldn't rewind for some reason. No, I'm thinking of a different game. I apologize. It wasn't that game. It was another game that I couldn't go, go back to. Um, Lancaster Bible with the win over NYU. Hats off to Lancaster Bible. That was a big win. Big shot at the end to take the three-point lead. NYU couldn't answer. Get the victory. Really impressed with Lancaster Bible there, though Mount Union went and thanked them for coming to the tournament and ended them their their tourney in the second round, 90-66. to 66. So Mount Union against North Park, Oshkosh, and Rowan, all being played in Mount Union. Uh, Swarthmore had an easy time with SUNY Delhi and then easily got past St. John Fisher. Uh, to the Swarthmore broadcaster, it's St. John Fisher. St. John Fisher. Um, Tufts got past Widener. I wouldn't say easily, but but comfortably. And then Keene State got past 
uh, Baruch, those games played at Keene State in a great atmosphere there. And so it will be Keene State versus Swarthmore. A, a little deja vu. A little deja vu. The game will be in Swarthmore to add to the deja vu. Nichols got past Rochester 74-71 in a pretty good battle there. The Bison playing well. And then got past Middlebury 73-66 for the record. And people do see this because I have shared my bracket with somebody. I'm not sharing it publicly. But I have shared it with a few people. I predicted Nichols to get to this point. Um, and to beat those two particular opponents, by the way. Mary Washington got past St. Lawrence, Stockton past LaRoche. Admittedly, I went for the I went for the knock, I went for the surprise of LaRoche being Stockton. That was my little twist on my bracket. I didn't get that one right. Uh, Stockton got past Mary Washington, so it'll be Nichols and Stockton, Swarthmore and Keene State in Swarthmore. In the lower right, it'll be Christopher Newport and Mary Hart and Baylor taking each other on. Christopher Newport actually had a battle with Farmingdale State, had to come from behind, 10 down at halftime for the captains to win that one. Hamden Sydney had a good battle with Emory, uh, and then Christopher Newport thanked uh, Hamden Sydney on a tremendous season and, and asked them to end their season in the second round. Texas Dallas uh, East Texas Baptist got past St. Thomas, Texas. Really good win there for ETBU, who's been playing really well recently. Uh, Mary Harden Baylor and Shriner had a battle to the end that Mary Harden Baylor ended up winning, and then Mary Harden Baylor needed a buzzer beater to defeat East Texas Baptist, which reminds me, we're going to have to call that one up. I uh, I had forgotten to get it ready for us to, to view, but we'll get it ready to view later in the program. Wheaton uh, is on to the uh, Sweet 16 after Carlton got knocked off by St. Norbert in a good win by the by the Knights. Uh, Wheaton got past Illinois College and then dispatched St. Norbert in a good battle. St. Norbert, that was back and forth in that one. Uh, Williams got past Pomona Pitzer. That was the other one I picked. I picked Pitzer. Uh, St. Joseph's got past Ch- uh, Chatham, and then St. Joseph's dispatched. Williams. Now, it was interesting because Williams actually came back in the second half to start that half. I think 16-4 run last I checked and got back into that game. And then St. Joseph's woke up in the second half and ended it. So that'll all be at CNU. Uh, Christopher Newport, Mary Harden Baylor, and then Wheaton, Ching Joe's. I'm looking forward uh, to seeing some games. I'll tell you what where I'll go later in the program. Got to get to this quickly. Uh, we do have women to talk about, and then I have some quick news. Uh, I'll breeze through the women. We'll dive in the bracket a little bit more later. Smith and Mary Washington will face each other along with Trinity and Mar- and Whitewater. Interestingly enough, I didn't pick this up until now. Whitewater is in the exact same part of the of the bracket for both men and women. That's going to be played at Smith. By the way, the men, five flights the second weekend. We'll get to the women in a minute. Transylvania will, will host uh, Ohio Northern. Trine and NYU on the other side of that. You then got in the lower right. Babson will face Marietta and Chicago will face Rhode Island College. Those games at Babson. Could have maybe argued going to U Chicago. It didn't matter. Six one half dozen the other. They're going to Babson, and then Christopher Newport Warburg will face off, and Trinity Texas Tufts will face off. That will be at Tufts, and unfortunately, I think it's at Tufts. Listen, I if you look at the data, and certainly you can make an argument that Tufts has the better criteria. Win loss is easily. In, remember, Christopher Newport can't host. They're they're technically the one in position here to host, but they can't host because the men are hosting. Trinity Texas has. The win-loss percentage by a slam dunk on Tufts. Um, Trinity was 6-1 versus regionally ranked opponents. Tufts was 9-5. Trinity had a 521 SOS. Tufts had a 625 or something. Monstrously different SOS numbers. And this is where I've made the argument, first off, that at some point some of this data has to have no more pull. I don't think that ever applies with win-loss. I think win-loss, it always has the straight the, the pull. You no longer ignore it. But with strength of schedule, I think at some point you just can't tabulate that. 
And with results versus rigidly ranked opponents, at some point you just can't tabulate it anymore. It, it grows to a point where it's hard to fathom. But Tufts had, what, six losses on the season? Um, five of them were against regionally ranked opponents. Uh, at the end, they were against regionally ranked opponents, I should add, uh, along with nine victories. Pretty impressive. The SOS, stellar, absolutely. This was a chance where you knew you were flying three teams to do something different, and there could have been a, a ton of justification outside of the data to go to Trinity. And I know there have been some in New England who might have complained, and I would have said, you know what, I understand that. But we have a chance to go to Texas where we never get to go, and they have criteria that certainly deserves it, including their win-loss percentage. I think they deserve to be the hosts here. The committee didn't feel that way. Uh, as Pat pointed out, this seems to be a miss. Um, and listen, we don't have to agree with everything the committee does, and that's okay. That's what our position is here, to state our opinions and our thoughts on things. Uh, we don't have to be uh, in lockstep. And in this case, I'm not in lockstep. I think the committee had an opportunity. They, I think they feel maybe they were they had no choice. I don't think that's the case. Now, they did technically set up Tufts to be in this position, being at the bottom of this quad and Trinity being in the middle. They did state this at the beginning, that Tufts was going to probably be the likely choice. But I don't think you had to stick to it. Um, we have three sectionals in Massachusetts, none in Texas. And as Pat said on a tweet, and he said elsewhere, when Region 10 or the Southwest Sky Act, Northwest, and especially those in Texas, claim that uh, they aren't respected in Division Three, this is going to be Exhibit A. And it is going to be Exhibit A. The win-loss for Trinity, I think, could have made the argument. And I know that the Women's Committee has tried to keep win-loss from being the overwhelming argument as it has in the past. And I agree. I, I respect that. I appreciate that they've made that effort. But this is also where I think the men have strayed away from win-loss. And I hope the women don't stray away from win-loss. And there are times I think win-loss needs to win the argument. And in this case, I think Trinity deserved to have that. Worst case, you could still put it on, hey, listen, they've got a bigger facility. They're going to attract more people, maybe. We're going to have the games there because it's got more seats. That could have been your argument because that is part of the argument allowed. But I digress. We'll talk more about it later in the program. Uh, another thing we will hit later in the program is Linfield basketball. Linfield men's basketball has put their head coach on um, probation or a suspension, I better word. Due to an incident that took place at a game at Whitworth apparently a couple of weeks ago. It is making the headlines. Fans, uh, alum, players are not happy. We have not got a lot of details on it, but we'll certainly try and tackle it a little bit later and see where um, see where this sits because it's an interesting development. I heard a week or two ago to keep my eyes on Linfield, and admittedly, because the NCAA tournament, I couldn't keep my eyes peeled on Linfield. But um it didn't work out. Uh, I didn't. I didn't keep track of it. But to say the least, uh, there's something. Something's up, and we're gonna have to figure it out. But their head coach Rosen um, Rosenbaum is. Uh, I said that name wrong, didn't I? Uh, he is. Uh, he is sitting right now, frustratingly so for a lot of his uh, players. Maybe um, granted, they're they're not playing. Uh, Rosenberg. I knew I had it wrong. I apologize, Shannon Rosenberg. I knew I got that wrong. Um, 
They had a 10 and 15 campaign this year. The game in question was the final game of the regular season, final game of their season against, uh, actually, second to last. It was at Whitworth, where they lost 79 66. They played Whitman the next day. I believe the, the, the game was at Whitworth. But to be honest with you, now that I say that out loud, I think I'm wrong. I think it was at Whitman. Um, it was at Whitman. So it was their final game of the season on the road. Um, we're going to dive into it a little bit later because uh, I don't have time now. We got guests lined up to go to, and so we'll get to it. But uh, he's on suspension right now, apparently for an interaction after the game, and I'm not sure where that where that resides um, and where the future is and um, if this just isn't maybe also some other things going on behind the scenes that we can't really put our fingers on. Let's talk about guests coming up 720 tonight. Uh, next, we should say, Nichols men's basketball coach Brock Erickson will join us to talk about the Bison and their run to the Sweet 16. Uh, Marietta coach um, Cole Vivian will join us. We'll talk about the women's program's run to the Sweet 16 themselves. They will be taking on, as we mentioned uh, just a moment ago, um, Babson up in Massachusetts. Uh, then we'll talk to Mary Washington's Dina Applebury. Uh, the Eagles came from behind to win their game against DeSales. Uh, and we'll now play on, play Smith. That'll be a good battle. Then we'll talk to number 17th ranked Mary Harden Baylor men's coach Cliff Carroll. We'll talk about their incredible weekend and if they can get the job done heading out to Newport News, Virginia. Uh, number one, Christopher Newport women's basketball coach. Uh, Chandra Fawn will join us to talk about um, she's the senior guard on that team. We'll talk about the captains so far this season and their trip to Massachusetts and Wisconsin Whitewater men's basketball coach Pat Miller will join us to talk about his team and their terrific run to the Sweet 16 as well. You're listening to Hoops Hope presented by D3Hoops.com for the WBCA and ABC studio. Many of you have been wonderful uh, contributors to our, our campaign and we certainly appreciate it. Please continue to do so and we'll continue to add to that tote board. We are 80% of the way to our goal and would love to close it out as soon as we can. In the meantime, we'll talk more about our partners and more about our guests when we come back. I uh, hope you're enjoying this one. This should be a good one as we start to look ahead to the Sweet 16. The National Association of Basketball Coaches is the nation's premier professional development and advocacy organization for basketball coaches at every level. The NABC strives to serve as the voice for coaches on national issues while advancing the core value of leadership, service, advocacy, education, and inclusion. To learn more about the NABC and to become a member, visit nabc.com and follow the NABC on social media at NABC1927. That's nabc.com or NABC1927 on social media. got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's nearly 850 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over two decades. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. It's on us to stop sexual assault. In any way that we can. To get a friend home safe. To never blame the victim. It's on us. To stand up. 
to make our community safe for all. It's on us. It's on us to look out for each other at parties. It's on us to be more than just a bystander. To step up and say something. It's on us, all of us, to, to stop, stop sexual, sexual assault. assault. Learn how and take the pledge at itsonus.org. Coach of the Year, Administrator of the Year, All-America Team, Wade Trophy. The WBCA doesn't just honor coaches, but players, administrators, and much more. The WBCA strives to honor those who have contributed to the advancement of women's basketball. Celebrate the present, honor the past, look to the future. And welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you're doing well. If you got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, Hoopsville at D3Sports.com or join us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Hoopsville where we're live simulcasting the show. We're also live simulcasting on YouTube at YouTube.com slash D3Hoopsville. And thanks to our partners at Huddle, Blue Frame Technology, where we're able to do those simulcasts uh, as well. That's kind of the cool little trick about their technology, and we appreciate their support. Uh, of our program. You can watch us on Team One Sports at t1sports.com slash hoopsville, or you can watch us on the Team One Sports app, whether it's on your Bluetooth or Bluetooth, that's not right, uh, on your Apple TV, Android TV, um, Roku TV, etc. Anybody that's got Team One Sports, you can watch it us on the big screen. And I apologize, I did not shave today, so you're going to see that. Uh, let's talk men's basketball. Nichols men's basketball. The Bison are on to the NCAA tournament uh, Sweet 16. Certainly uh, maybe caught some by surprise, but I'll admit I actually had him winning and getting this point. That doesn't mean I'm right. It just means I happen to guess right. Um, this is a team that I actually had in my preseason top 25. I thought uh, they would have a pretty good season. It seemed like they had some good pieces coming together. But what do I know half the time? We want to learn more when it when we uh, talk about these things from their head coaches. So joining us on the huddle, Hoopsville Hotline, it's the aforementioned head coach, the Nickel Nichols Bison. It's Brock Erickson, coach. First and foremost, congratulations not only on the Triple C title, um, but you've got a long winning streak going right now, and it's got you to the second week of the NCAA tournament. This has got to be uh, amazing for the program. It really is. Yeah, it's it's great for the program. Nineteen wins in a row, the most in program history. Um, our guys have have really found a way to, to gel together and come together when, when we needed to. And we've gone on a great run and obviously, you know, winning two games this past weekend and getting to the sweet 16 is, is an unbelievable accomplishment. And I'm, I'm just really proud of our guys and can't wait to, to, to get to Friday. Yeah. I mean, 19 game winning streak is saying it lightly. And well, I should say is amazing saying it lightly. Let me go back to the beginning i mentioned i had you guys in my top 25 in the preseason i saw a lot of the pieces you guys brought in transfers from other levels and usually i don't buy in and you a lot of people take the example of john carroll I, I didn't buy in when they brought in all their transfers but they were coming from a sub 500 season you guys were coming from a 21 and 9 campaign it's not like you guys this program hasn't been good for a number of years but you guys struggled a little bit coming out of the gate. Uh, lost the second game to Eastern Connecticut. Lost your fifth game to Middlebury, 91-80, which obviously you avenged in the second round. Lost to Roger Williams, 87-67. And then at the turn of the new year, lost to Albertus Magnus in Western New England. What clicked between that, that start or what was going on in that start? Was it about the team gelling and what clicked that got you guys to where you are now? Great. Yeah, it, it was. I think it was a combination of a lot of different things. Um, number one, we, we, we returned a couple of guys 
um, that played significant minutes. And then we had a couple, a couple of other returners that, that didn't make it with us. And it was the gelling piece. You're hundred percent correct with that. We had three or four new players that are all really, really talented guys that hadn't played basketball competitively at the collegiate level because of injuries um, and because of transferring. So we struggled early with, with trying to come together as a team. Um, we took our lumps early and, and I think at the end of the day, we kind of just had to figure out, are we going to try to win a championship and win the NCAA tournament? Or are we going to be individuals just trying to, you know, score points and go for our own stuff? And, and the turning point, you know, kind of to your point was early in the season, we, we took a couple lumps. Um, we got rid of a couple guys. We had, we had a big team meeting and we kind of figured it out, but not quite where we needed to be. And then after the new year, losing to Albertus and then losing to a really, really good Western New England team. You know, the guys came together and said, hey, you know, we're not going to do this on our, on our own. We've got to do this as a team. And they, the players decided to, to really just become unselfish, play together, and understand that, um, you know, the, the more you play as a team, the more accolades and the more, the more, the more success we're going to have individually. And I think that stemmed right from the top from our two best players, our two returning players in Matt Electus and Ja'Kai Dodd. Well, it, it, listen, looking back at the losses, the one thing also to keep in mind, all but one were NCAA tournament teams. You had Albertus Magnus, who knocked off St. Joe's, who ended up in the tournament. And actually, you know, for a while there was having a pretty good first round game. Middlebury, as we mentioned, you, you face them. Trinity, Connecticut. Um, Roger Williams is the lone exception there. Western New England didn't make the tournament. Obviously, I should have mentioned them too. But they had a great season. They really did. They were one of those that I think was on off everybody's radar as having a tremendous run in the LEC. So they, those weren't really bad losses. They just, for a team like yourself, I'm suspecting they didn't feel good for, for all your reasons. Yeah, absolutely. You know, coming off of the year we had last year where we went to the NCAA tournament and you know, we returned Ja'Kai Dotton, who was an All-American last year, and Matt Electus, who um, averaged 14 points per game last year. And we had, you know, Ty Rucker, who, who got injured last year, who were expecting big things from last year, who averaged 17 points for, per game for us this year. You know, with, with that nucleus and then, and then the guys that we brought in, you know, we thought we were going to be able to, to pull it together early, much earlier and, and be better in our preseason and our non-conference schedule. But you know, we, we had some issues and, you know, we had a couple of guys that, that started the year before that are no longer with us because they weren't, you know, doing doing the things that we wanted to do here at Nichols. And and we eventually figured it out. And, and I think that's the mark of a great team, you know, is you never know when your team is going to gel. It could be in the beginning of the season. It could be in the middle of the season. It could be at the end of the season or it could not happen. And then, you know, you, you underachieve. For your talent level and i think what happened was uh, um our guys and, and mostly because of matt Electus and jakai dotton figuring it out together they gelled at the right time and then we ended up going on obviously the run that we're on right now and, it, and it's because of their maturity and their competitive maturity that they wanted to win and try to make a run in the ncaa tournament to win a national championship well i'm kind of curious how much is that drive and and that you know, willingness to finally win coming to play when you're down 20 points to Rochester in the first round, and it looks like, all right, great run, guys. It's all coming to an end here against the Yellow Jackets. Is that one of those timeouts where you have the conversation, go, hey, what what do we do with all this for? Absolutely. 
you know, and, and I think the other piece to that one too, you know, we had been down before, obviously not like that, not in the situation where it's a season ending game, but our, because we have older guys that have been through some stuff like that, we weren't going to shoot a 20 point shot. We were just going to have to chip away, chip away, chip away. And, you know, the one thing that we've talked about all year, we have to play Nichols basketball the way that we play and not worry about what's happening. You know, we missed a couple of really good looks early in that game that just didn't fall. And they made some shots, um, you know, that, that they did that, that they didn't make in the second half that they were making in the first half. So we kind of just had to just stay the course and just keep doing what we're doing and just try to play nickels and, and just don't get ahead of ourselves. Talk about a little bit about these guys. You've talked about them a, a bit, but I want to know a little more details. Uh, you've got uh, Matt Electus who's a defensive player of the year, but he averages a whole monster 19 double doubles this season. 19 out of, uh, quick math, 30 games is pretty amazing. Um, he's also 10th in rebounds per game in the nation. Tell me a little bit about him and then how he helps make the rest of the team click. Absolutely. You know, Matt, Two years ago, prior to coming to Nichols, Matt was told by a doctor that he'd never play basketball again because of a back injury. And, um, you know, he persevered. He went through rehab on his own. You know, he did a lot of things in order to get himself back into condition in order to play. To play. So when he got here last year, he was a great individual player. This year, he's now, you know, become a great team player and a great leader. He led our team in rebound. He, he led the league in rebounds. He led the league in block shots. And, you know, he transferred from a, from another school where he played the three. With us, he's playing the five, and he's playing he's playing the middle of a two-three zone. So he's done a lot of things that he wasn't accustomed to. And to his credit, he really bought into, hey, coach, you tell me what you need me to do. I'm going to do it to the best of my ability. And I think the, the, the other players on the team have really rallied around that part of his game where he was once just a shooter slash scorer and he became, you know, one of the toughest defensive players in the league, the defensive player of the year um, that, you know, is, is top 10 in rebounding, top 10 in blocks. And he's only six foot four. Yeah, only. Yeah, yeah only yeah. six four. Leads the team. Uh, you got Rucker at 16 and a half, Jones at 16 and a half, Do- uh, Doton at 15. And Farabee at 14. That's the other scary part. You've got five guys who are averaging double figures, and not barely double figures, solid double figures. Defensively, that's tough to, to mark up. But to some point, is that a hint of what maybe you guys were all struggling with at the beginning? There's a lot of guys, a lot of, a lot of mouths to feed, as it were, a lot of guys you can put points up? Absolutely. You know, we, we, we have a really talented group, and a lot of guys can score. Um, I think all five of those players have led our team in scoring in, in at least one or more games this season. And trying to get those guys to understand that the more they, the more that the other players score, the, the easier it is for them to score. Yeah. And trying to understand that with, with, these, with these guys was a difficult thing early in the season. But they started to figure it out late and – you know, we peaked at the right time with that, and now they understand it. And now, you know, now our guys, like when when I'm in a huddle and I'm drawing up a play for one of our guys, you know, I drop a play, play for Quincy Farabee, and he'll say, hey, coach, Ja'Kai Dotton's actually playing great, and he's got the great mismatch. Why don't you run this for Ja'Kai? Mm-hmm. And, and our, yeah, and our players have done that, and they've been amazing at it. 
And that's been the turning point is this is the most unselfish group I've ever coached. It's, it's the most selfless kids that I've ever had. And, and it's because they all have one common goal and one agenda this year. And it's just winning and winning at a really high level. Um, again, five players averaging 13 and a half or better. Um, certainly playing well. What's interesting is, by the way, you took over the program in 21. You guys have had five, uh, 14 games, five points or less. You've won them all. So you also figure out how to get out of games uh, the hard way, as, as it were. <laughs> Seems like there's a lot of resilience, a lot of opportunities for the team to learn, but at the same time have learned. How do you then pivot? Go into the Sweet 16, place Nichols has been before um, back in 2019, but obviously this group, not necessarily. How do you guys focus on now the bigger spotlight, more pressure, unless the pressure was higher at some point in the season, I'm not aware and obviously a lot more riding on it. Yes, game ends the season. We already know that. But but the chance to be in Fort Wayne now is so close. Absolutely. You know, <clears throat> one thing that gets overlooked, because of our style of play, we're seventh in the country in scoring. We're known as an offensive team. But, Fair. you know, in this 19-game winning streak, you know, our field goal percentage defense is top 20 in the country. It's under – it's almost – it's about 40.1%. And our field goal, our three-point field goal percentage defense is also top 50 in the country. And I think that that piece of it with our guys, they understand that when we play the defense that we're capable of playing, n- number one, it makes it really difficult, obviously, for, for, for the other teams to score. But also, it starts our fast break. It starts our offense. So our players have really bought into the fact that the harder and tougher they are defensively, the easier shots we're going to get, the more points we're going to score. And, you know, we kind of try to, you know, we're going to score 80, 85 points per game. And because of our defense, we're holding, we've been holding teams to under about under 70 or 71 points per game these last 19 games. You will take on Stockton, who can shoot pretty well from outside, interesting enough that you bring that up. Um, pretty solid defense of themselves. And I know you're not looking ahead, but on the other side, yeah, you've got Swarthmore uh, on their side of the pod, and they'll be playing Keene State, who's a beast in a program that you're kind of familiar with being in that region. What do you see? I know it's early because you haven't dove into enough tape here, but what do you see in Stockton? What are you expecting from that game? Well, I've, I've d- dived into a lot of, of Stockton's film. I was watching it on the bus ride home from, <laughs> from Middlebury. And, you know, obviously they are extremely talented. They're a great team. I mean, I mean, uh, Campbell's got to be one of the best guards in the country, if not the best scoring guard in the country. I mean, he's a first-team All-American last year. I'm sure he's going to be an All-American this year. Um, they're a great team. They're really well coached. You know, they win every year. They're a perennial powerhouse. And, and you know, we're going to have to just do what we do and, and really just try to limit their three-point touches, li- limit their three-point attempts, excuse me, and just try to, you know, just play our game and, and force them into tough contested twos, which is what we've been doing all year. Uh, curious, you are come from Bryant, uh, Division Two to Bryant, we should point out. I always get that one confused sometimes as to, as to where Bryant's located. But you've been all over. You've been to Eastern Utah. You've been to Monroe College. You were at CCNY at one point. Um, you played collegiately at Assumption. Uh, at one point, Rhode Island College as well. You, you've certainly been to a lot of different institutions. What is it about Nichols that drew you here in this Division Three experience that you're getting? And 
and, and what's it you know this tournament is different than ones you've been in too yeah you know Nichols College um, I grew up at Worcester it's about 20 minutes away from Worcester um, the new president came from Bryant where where I was the associate head coach um, and I think his vision of um, you know having a basketball program that's nationally nationally known and and really trying to build this program into a perennial house and being a nationally known program. That's one of the things that drew me to this. And um, Nichols is a great institution where, you know, we're a you know, top top 40 business program in the country. And I felt as though I really wanted to be a head coach. I really wanted to try to get get back to being a coach and, and coaching in the Northeast. And I felt like Nichols was the place to do that. Um, and, you know, obviously these last two years, um, I've started to try to build something here that I think could, can can really last for the long haul. You should point out, by the way, those weren't all the schools you've been to. I, I skipped a few, uh, That's like, right. like like Iona and and some others. Um, by the way, I assume you you were attracted also because it's a bison and made you think of Eastern Utah. You just thought, yeah, of course, <laughs> that makes sense, right? Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Um, one other question: There's been reporting, and if there's some arrows right now, they could all point at myself um, that Nichols is going to pivot and move to Division Two at some point. Honestly, by this point, I thought we would have known that if that was happening or not, and I spent half my day double-checking some stuff. But you talk about coming here and building a basketball program, so you're on the recruiting trails trying to keep Nichols where they are and how good they are. There's reports about maybe going D2. There's others who have speculated on that. And and now you've got this NCAA tournament success. It feels like it's got to be one heck of a mismatch when you are out there trying to build a program, because you've got a lot of different things that are both selling and maybe um, battling. What's it like to, to try and sell nickels? Yeah, I mean, it's there, there's a lot of moving pieces, but I think at the end of the day, we have a great program. We have a great school. Um, we are trying We are trying to go Division II. Um, it's in the works here in the next couple of years. Um, but basically, I really just try to... Um, recruit players that understand my vision that understand my goals and just want to win at an extraordinarily high level because that's what i'm about i've I've basically won everywhere i've been um i want to win at nichols and i want to win at an extraordinarily high level and this is this year is is testament to that you know i want to be able to get to the sweet 16 and farther every single year regardless of whether we're division three or division two and you know that's that's kind of been the recruiting spiel that I've used with with players, and you know that's that's kind of been the model, and I guess it's been working fairly well here in my first two years. So we should point out, you get a win, you'll match the program record of, of an elite eight. If you get two, you'll obviously set the benchmark uh, of getting to the final four. Quick question: Will you be in Division three next year? Then yes, we will. Be. Okay, so you're still so we're a little bit further away from maybe a potential move. So we'll at least see mm-hmm. the Bison, which. It's one of my favorite mascots uh, in the division, so I'm glad to hear that, Brock. Uh, hey, i got to let you go. Uh, I would love to talk more with you, but we, we, we try and cram more into the show than maybe we should. I appreciate the time that you've given us and, and the insight you've given us on the Bison. Congratulations on where you are. I look forward to seeing what happens this weekend. We have a tradition on the show. We always give the guests the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who might be tuned in? Yeah, I just, just want to say that you know I'm just really proud of our group, you know, the kids that we have have been through a lot and um you know we're just keep gonna keep trying to find a way to win here and try to find a way in advance to the elite eight we're 40 minutes away from elite eight but 
we're enjoying the moment and we're really just enjoying the opportunity to uh to play against all these great teams and great rich traditions in the division three level and hopefully we can uh we can be one of these teams that that traditionally makes it to the Sweet 16 every year. Well, congratulations, as I said again. Um, sure. Tremendous. Uh, I feel a little vindicated for my vote in the preseason, though some of that is luck, I do realize. Uh, good luck this weekend. We'll look forward to Thanks. talking to you down the road. Okay. Thanks, Dave. Appreciate it. Brock Erickson joining us on the Huddle Hoopsville Hotline. Appreciate the time. Real quick recap, they will be in Division Three next year, which is awesome to hear. Um, a big fan of that. Uh, but also... This is a team to watch. I think Stockton's going to have a heck of a battle there. And then whoever gets them, Keene State or Swarthmore on the other side. This is going to be a pod. I mean, all four pods are going to be fun to watch. But this one's going to be pretty intriguing, to say the least. We'll take another break. When we come back, we'll jump to Ohio, talk Marietta women's basketball. You're listening to Hoops Show, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. Great moments are born from great opportunity. That's what you have here tonight. That's what you've earned here tonight. This is your time. Now go out there and take it. Responsibility is being accountable for your words and actions, first and foremost. It also is an obligation to be a positive influence in the communities around you. Being in a D3 program, you're going to have lots of different opportunities. You're not just an athlete. You're also involved in student life. Your academics are extremely important. We give a lot of our student athletes responsibilities right from the start by giving them leadership opportunities, by having them engage in the community, being a positive influence. That's being a responsible person. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's nearly 850 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over two decades. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. The National Association of Basketball Coaches is the nation's premier professional development and advocacy organization for basketball coaches at every level. The NABC strives to serve as the voice for coaches on national issues while advancing the core value of leadership, service, advocacy, education, and inclusion. To learn more about the NABC and to become a member, visit nabc.com and follow the NABC on social media at nabc1927. That's nabc.com or nabc1927 on social media. And that. Once again, thanks to the NABC for their support of our program. We appreciate their love. Also appreciate the love of the WBCA, Sport Tours International, and D3Hoops.com. If you want to follow us, follow us at D3Hoopsville on Twitter. Hashtag Hoopsville is where the conversation is being had. You can also join us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Hoopsville. You can also join us on YouTube, youtube.com slash D3Hoopsville. Live simulcasting the show on those last two entities. So we'll enjoy having you there. Uh, we'll pivot and talk women's. 
women's basketball now. Another team that's still got their dancing shoes on and heading up to Boston. Kind of the opposite direction Nichols is heading. They're going to Philly, but this one's going from the very southern part of Ohio to the Boston area to play their next round against Babson, who had a pretty good weekend. Marietta, who last year and years past, we talked about their men's program. The women have stolen the spotlight just a little bit, and I'm pretty darn proud, or not proud, but I'm pretty impressed with that, to say the least. Cole Vivian's squad into the second weekend, and I know he's happy about it, so we'll bring him into the Huddle Hoopsville hotline, and there is said Mr. Vivian. Coach, congratulations on the second weekend. you got to... uh, you got to be proud. Seems like the dumbest question to ask, but you got to be proud. Yeah, I mean, it was it was really special to the, to go up there and get to get a big one on Friday night um, with that, and then kind of following following that up with with the win on Saturday against you know t- another really good team there. So yeah, proud. I mean, there's just a lot of emotion with it. A lot of emotion, yes. I'm curious though because when you look at this, this these two games. First off, I thought Eastern Connecticut had a darn good season this year and could trip you up. Um, and then you had on the other side of it an Ithaca team at home, who until the end of the season, honestly, had been ridiculously hard to beat. Interesting enough, they lost three of their last five. What was it about those two games? Because I, I know from watching, those weren't exactly the same two teams. What was it about those two games that you that you saw that you were able to take advantage of to get through? So we, we knew in the first game uh, against the Warriors, their post play was really good. I mean, Barry. I mean, I assume she'll probably be an All American if, if there's if there's you know twenty people in the nation better than her. Uh, I'd be really surprised. Uh, Dunn was really good for them. They have a great coach. Um, we thought we we thought our our guard play could could be be a, a difference maker maker form there. But then Barry goes off for thirty two and like fourteen or fifteen whatever she had. So uh, just just kind of back and forth there. We we kind of sped them up a little bit with 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 our our full court pressure with that. So that was a really good win for us on Friday. We're excited about that. Then on Saturday, Ithaca. I mean that that team is unbelievable. I mean they're they're tall, they're long, um, they cut really well, they pass really well, they can defend. Um, with that, and then the, the the big thing that we kind of changed in that game, we're down by I think eight eight points in the second quarter, and I, I had to call a timeout, which would have been the next dead ball would have been the media timeout. Um, with that, but so I I, I, I had to kind of burn timeout because I thought I was kind of getting away from us a little bit. Then we then we went zone, and, and I thought that kind of changed a, a lot of things for us. We were able to get some stops, and then we kind of really score a whole lot to the fourth, but then we kind of got rolling a little bit with that. Well, zone is a nice little twist. I've seen it utilized when necessary. you got to have a team that's ready to pull it out when you've been going mainly uh, man most of the time. I'm curious from a coaching perspective, how do you keep a team on notice and ready to use a zone when you may not use it all the time and it and especially may not practice? Are you practicing it all the time even if you don't utilize it? No, I don't think we practice zone uh... There's a team in our league, Wilmington. We 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 we've zoned them from time to time, uh, just because they're 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 so so full of drivers. Like they have a really they, they can all get to the hoop really well, so we kind of use it there. We don't practice it a lot, but I think we got pretty good people in it. We have a pretty good strategy with it, and and our team is full of competitors. Like they'll do whatever they can to win. Um, so as a coach, that's kind of fun because you can kind of kind of you know pull out, hey, we're gonna go zone, we're gonna go man, we're gonna go full court, we're, we're gonna do do something different with all screens. Yeah, and 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 they're they're always locked in for it. So uh, yeah, they our team does, does does a great job with like all that stuff. 
um, I, I always, I, I listen. I'm always a guy who likes to have the X's and O's games and want to say, "All right, you've been playing man. Throw the zone out there for a bit." Some coaches are doing it out of timeout. My little trick would be, "All right, you call a timeout. You come back. You play the same defense, and then you throw it on the next possession and really throw them curveball. Or even better yet, you throw it out there for one or two, and then you take it off and like, "All right, they gave up. No, no, we're back. We're back." <laughs> but I'm a sick man that way. Um, <laughs> When it comes to where this team has gone this season, as it were, you know where you were, where you've been, how you've gotten there, it was interesting because the conference race, I thought, this year was a bit, a bit bonkers. You had Ohio Northern, you had Baldwin-Wallace, you had yourselves. Otterbein was even in the mix a bit. And granted, we've seen these teams in the past as well. John Carroll wasn't, so it added a little bit of a twist. I mean, they're in the conference, but they weren't at the top. But it also felt like it was ever-changing. How did you guys work your way through the conference, staying just in contact, as it were, to stay in the relevance to be able to be put in a position as you are in the tournament? So so, so with that, we didn't start off the year you know, great with, with no. the conference. We started <laughs> off one and two. Uh, we lost at Ohio Northern. Uh, before everybody kind of knew how how good they were going to be. We lost at home yeah. against Baltimore. So we, we were kind of looking up at teams for a while then. We kind of got off to a pretty good stretch there after that, but then we lost Capital on the road, uh, beat Northern down here, then we lost Otterbein. And at that point, we kind of looked and said, hey, uh, we can't really afford too many more losses here with this if we're going to qualify for the for the, the tournament. So uh, we made an adjustment to our starting lineup after that Otterbein game. Uh, with that, I, I, I think the way the team bought into like us playing zone and man uh, – they bought in that lineup change big time too. I think that was kind of a big difference maker for us uh, this year with that because the kids we put in the starting lineup did a really good job getting us to have some great starts. And the people we did have a start and bought into it and now bringing them off the bench, uh, still getting their usual minutes with that has, has really helped us a ton. Yeah, it's interesting because go back to the beginning. You, you lost to Washington Jefferson out of the gate, and they were a team that was in the in and out of the top 25 in the conversation much of the season. Then you lost, as you point out, to Ohio Northern, Baldwin-Wallace, and Colorado College in a span of five games in a span of 16 days. And I'll admit, that, that can derail a team, especially with the Colorado College loss being in San Juan. Now, you got a, a win over Kane uh, the next day. That certainly helped right the ship. But then you had time to, to kind of sit on that. And that can either be wonderful, as it seems like it might have been for all of you. You only lost two since then, or three since, but two kind of the important time there, Capital and Otterbein. Or you can have a team just absolutely unglue themselves at that point. How did you come back, reset the team? And I'm, I'm talking about before you got to that Otterbein conversation, before you got to the point of going, we're in trouble, because you went through a good stretch there where you had five, six straight wins to at least get some momentum going. Yeah, we, we try to kind of focus on our culture here quite, quite a bit. Uh, with that, and I think that helped. That kind of got us through that that tough time too. Like we, we're we're looking at, hey, we're six and four now. We got we got to go on on a big stretch. We we kind of took it day by day uh, with it. it. It really helps having a fifth year kid and then four other seniors. They're they're, they're you know in, in their normal senior year and having six juniors there. Uh, that's something that that I think we can kind of really lean on. And, and and having success last year too helped us quite a bit with that too because they know, hey. 
at any point we, we can go go on a, on a really good run but they show up every day um our coach our coaching staff's unbelievable coach anderson i mean she she played here uh for four years and she's been here five years but coach ziliak just came here this this past year from uh from southern new hampshire division two school coach yeah. Dalton, he's actually been here longer than i've been uh so kind of having <laughs> those, those those people around here uh, has really really kind of helped us stay on course but i think our, our leadership's really good uh, I, I like how you uh, you gave everybody their props uh, in a in a weirder way than I've seen it done in the past. <laughs> um, here's what blows my mind about this team: there's nobody in double figures. You've got 9.3 out of Hefner, 9.3 out of of uh, out of Gribble. Uh, Aaron Hahn is nine points, six and a half from Paige Tolson. I can keep going. This is a team that only averages 62 points a game. You don't have to score a lot because you're averaging 54 points on defense. So it's like a lot of good teams we talk to, the Hopes, the Yammers, the Trines, et cetera, the world, starts with defense. You don't have to put a lot of points on the board as a result of that. But no one, yes, you could say that Hefner and Gribble and Hahn are your top three scorers, but no one is your seemingly your go-to. Is, is, what's, what's that like, and is that, a, is that a benefit to some degree? Yeah, I think it really helps us. Um, I, I think it's, it's tough to key on one person. Um, you know, you know, Tolson being being our fourth leading scorer, scorer I, th- I think you said uh, she's had some really big games for us. Um, you know, we 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 have Hannah Schill this weekend. She had 18 points on Friday, uh, and and she she can do that from from time to time. But that, but I think that's probably her season season high with that. Um, you know, Addie Hill uh, hasn't been scoring a whole lot for us yet, but when we beat Ohio Northern, she had I think 13 or so, and and that and, and that was a win that we definitely needed to have there. Um, with that, Hannah Croft wasn't playing a whole lot to start the year, um, and then, and then she, she, she's had numerous games since we've been put her in the lineup of, of scoring double figures there. So we got, and I could go on and on. I mean, we, we got a lot of different players that, that that could fill it up, and I think that kind of really helps us with our depth. I, I think I think we wore down Eastern Eastern Connecticut State on, on, on Friday with that, with, with us playing twelve kids and, the, and them playing you know seven kids or so with that too. I, I think that helps the NCAA tournament kind of playing those those back to back nights too. Uh, out rebounding your opponents, by the way, uh, as well by about seven, almost eight rebounds a game. You're holding your opponents to 34 percent from the floor, though. You're shooting 35. You're holding your opponents at 28 from beyond the arc, but you're shooting 26. There are some stats right there that just don't seem to agree with each other. Um, obviously, again, it's about defense, but where where what's What's the click on the offense side? What is working that we're maybe can't see in the stats? Well, I think we're really good at the end of games, um, and and I think we we showed that Friday, and then you know we made just enough plays with that on on Saturday too, um, with it, and, and and like we we have people that that score a little more in the, in the bigger games, like Dev. Devin had a really really good game on Saturday, scoring for us. We beat Baldwin Wallace here in the OAC uh, tournament. Her and Han really had it going. Um, you know, Gribbles, Gribbles had had her, her her first share too. So, I think just the way we play offense with you know having two post players in there helps our rebounding a lot, and and we get a lot of a lot of juice from out of that too. Yeah, uh, you sent me a few notes that I do want to touch on. First off, we talked about the changes. I know you kind of hinted at it. You kind of altered how you kind of played the starters, and I don't want to dive into just that. I want to I want to talk about. There are players that are amazingly do really well off of a bench. Other players who don't seem to do well off of a bench. I was a guy, I, I think I played a lot coming off the bench. It didn't bother me. It, it, it would have been cool to start too, but it, I don't. I didn't see how that had changed me 
I, I didn't see where I was a better starter or better off the bench. How do you figure that out, and how do you figure out players are better starting a game versus maybe coming off the bench? So we just kind of went with with it after we lost to Otterbein. Um, we talked a lot about getting off to a really good start because because the people that were starting games for us uh, are all unbelievable players. I mean, they're, they're all they're all conference, all region uh, type players with that. But for whatever reason, we're going to have to slow starts. Like we were down, we were down by 17 points to Wilmington. We, we, we're fortunate enough to win on the road there. We're down nine to Otterbein, like like four minutes in. So at that point, like, hey, you guys are all really good. But for whatever reason, it's just not working, and 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 it's not just one of you guys or two guys. Like it's just not working as a team. So we decided to kind of adjust that a little bit with with putting um, people we thought were a little more high energy to to kind of get things going with this. And then you know, kind of doing that right before we played Baldwin Walls, who I think was top ten in the nation at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, we we got off to to a lot better start. And then you know, bringing those kids in and off the bench, like that's really tough to tough to match up with. So. Um, Everybody's doing doing a, a, a great job with it. Everybody bought into it. Um, you know, uh, Madison Cecil she she doesn't she doesn't play a whole lot of minutes, but she starts every every half for us. And like she 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 takes a lot of pride in that, and, and we need her to take a lot of pride in that. So she does does a great job with that. Uh, but then then we, we 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 put those other kids in, and um, they they just bring a different dimension to the game off that. But if if no one bought into it, I mean, our season would, would be totally different. Um, like I was, I was telling Coach Harrison on, on on the way back, like when we played at Baldwin Walls there and we changed the lineup, if we, if we lose that game or don't play very well in that game, our season could go a lot of different ways. But they bought into it. We got that one, you know, over a really a really good team, a well coached team, um, and and then that kind of jump started us for the for the rest of the year. Uh. Quickly, not to derail, but I, I did get a kick out of your Puerto Rico note. We talked about you went one and one out there, but it was more about than the games, wasn't it? Yeah, so we it was right after finals week here, and uh, we we played John Carroll here on, on Friday. Then, then we we flew down there on Sunday, but um, we did we did a, a lot of stuff down there. We a lot of team building. We we had a we had a really good team talk down there, but yeah, then they went night kayaking. They 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 had, they had a really fun time with that. They we went to. Uh, we got hooked up with a group that took us to uh, to the rainforest. So they did some uh, they, they did some some swings. They went down some water slides. They went out, they jumped off some rocks. So they, they had had a pretty good pretty good time with that too. Then and obviously a lot a lot of beach time. But yeah, we kind of kind of dove into a lot of things there with you know the environment down there and you know the the culture the culture with with ourselves too. So that was that that was that, that was really fun for us and uh, it's it's always kind of fun to take those take those big trips, especially right, right after finals week. Sure. Uh, okay, so you score only allow forty two points for Ithaca in the last round. You're pivoting into the NCAA tournament uh, third round game. Uh, you will take on uh, a pretty formidable Babson squad, who has done pretty darn well this season, hiding behind the headline that is Smith at this point, and not on purpose. Uh, they beat SUNY New Paltz seventy seven or seventy six sixty six and held Maine Maritime to forty four. What do you expect? Yeah, they're they're really good. I mean, I, I think their their guard plays a little bit different than we've seen all year. Uh, you know, they they have people that can handle it. They got people that can shoot it. I think they're I think they're they're all their guards are really good, but they're the ones they got in the starting lineup. I think are unbelievable. Uh, they they're they're long inside. Uh, their coach is obviously a legend. 
um, you know, winning, winning, winning over 700 games there too. So, and we're going, we're going to to, to their place too. So, which which obviously makes things a, a little more tough. But um, you know, we're we're really excited to be in, this, be in the Sweet 16. But but our team here, all competitors. I mean, they're 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 happy with with where they are. Uh, but but they want even even more. So um, we have a, a lot of respect uh, for, for for Babson, and 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 we know that we're gonna ha- we're gonna have to bring it on a Friday. But that's kind of how we, we treat everybody uh, w- with this too. So we're we're really excited about it. Uh, I got a question on Twitter that I must ask. It's a it's a pertinent one, if you don't mind. It does say, <laughs> "Who's Coach Vivian's favorite former assistant coach to work with?" Oh geez, who 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 said who said that? Who's, who's, I, I'm just going to warn you. It's a tr- it's a, it is a tricky question. Uh, yeah, my favorite former assistant coach to work with. So this person was was also an assistant coach w- with me. Uh, it appears, yes, I believe that's the history. But what 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 I think is more important is this person can't influence your tournament anymore. Yeah, yeah, Co- uh, coach uh, coach Wilson. She we 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 had some good times back in the day. Uh, and, and I, I tell you what, when I was when I was working with with Coach Wilson, that was a coaching staff because you had Coach Eckner, who was obviously you know yeah. done everything. Uh, yeah. Megan, who went won at every single level she's been yes. at. Uh, then there was me just trying to kind of learn as much <laughs> as I could and just not not screw things up. So uh, yeah, yeah, she we 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 had we had a lot of fun. We we had a lot of fun for sure. Um. And I say she can't influence your tournament any longer because you win, you're still at Babson for the next round, and then you win, you're going to Trinity, Connecticut for the semis, and if you win and happen to go to the title game, you're in Dallas. That's all been preset. (laughs) There there can't be any messing with you, so I figured it was a safe question uh, to to dive into with that one. Um, Hey, congratulations. Tremendous. I know the buzz. uh, Marietta loves her basketball. We know that. And I know the men have gotten plenty of attention. We've tried to give you some attention over the years, but you're still playing right now. Uh, and we congratulate you for that. I know that's a significant milestone for the program. Uh, good luck against Babson coming up. As always, we give the guests the final word. Uh, unless you want to say more to Megan, you're the, literally the floor is yours, sir. Well, I, I just want want to thank thank a lot of people. Uh, our community here is unbelievable. Like like we got back last night at uh, seven o'clock. It was, it was a long drive. Uh, so so we so we we, we get back and we, and we probably had a hundred hundred fifty people here waiting for us. Wow. We had. Uh, the president of the college, athletic director. We had faculty. Uh, we had staff. We had other coaches here. Coach Coach Vanderwall, um, you know, you know, came came and you know, wish us luck on that. Um, so that's really special. So I want to say thank you to everybody kind of involved with that. Um, I'm I'm just really really proud of our team. I mean, this it has has been the you know the storybook year that you always kind of kind of want years to be, but they they grinded through here and and uh, to get to this point right now with with hopefully more to come is really special. Um, I want, to say, I want to say hi to my family, Christy and Scarlett. I don't know if, I don't know if they're watching, but I'll, I'll show them when I get home. And then, then Dave, th- thanks for everything that that uh, you do here. Uh, you know, shining a, a light on on, on Division three women's basketball. Uh, you know, I, I think I, I think this 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 is is a pretty darn cool to kind of help grow the grow the game with that and everything that everything that that you do with that. So, thank you very very much for all that. Well said, sir. Uh, on all of that, I know the last part. Maybe we'll talk about it. You might have uh, you might have given a little too much there, but uh, hey, congratulations again. Thanks for the time. Good luck uh, in the next round or more, if it allows. And we'll look forward to talking to you down the road. All right. Thank you very much, Cole Vivian. Join us on the Huddle Hoopsaw Hotline. Great to chat with him. And the answer correct is, I believe, Megan Wilson. That is the the correct answer to that question.
We'll take a break. When we come back, we will continue our women's basketball conversation. Mary Washington, Dina Applebury will join us to talk about the Flying High Eagles and what they're doing in the NCAA tournament. They get a little undersung sometimes because of Christopher Newport, but they're certainly getting the spotlight on themselves for good reason. You're listening to Hoops Hope, presented by D3Hoops.com for the WBCA and ABC Studios. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's nearly 850 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over two decades. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division III basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. Coach of the Year, Administrator of the Year, All-America Team, Wade Trophy. The WBCA doesn't just honor coaches, but players, administrators, and much more. The WBCA strives to honor those who have contributed to the advancement of women's basketball. Celebrate the present, Honor the past. Look to the future. It's on us. It's on all of us. And it's time to act now. It's on us to start the change. It's on us to be the change. It's on us. It's on Division Three. It's on all of us to stop sexual assault. I learned a lot of valuable lessons playing college football. I never thought about the health benefits of exercise until I actually started to talk to coaches in college. It's not only just for performance, it's for life. My coaches instilled the importance of well-being, not only building up strength, mental health, getting enough sleep, eating properly, it's all what it is to be healthy. I decided that I want to go on a personal trainer and share my knowledge that I obtained in college about physical and mental well-being. Welcome back to Hoopsville as we continue to go along. If you've got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. You can email us, Hoopsville, at D3Sports.com. Uh, we're also live simulcasting on Facebook and YouTube. Blazer, Bobcat, and Kalen sitting there on our YouTube stream. Appreciate their uh, joining us there. And certainly others can join us if you so choose. Um, still talking women's basketball. The old Capital Athletic Conference, now the C2C, which looks very different especially with Finlandia now closing, as we talked about on the last show, has certainly had its attention uh, stolen by Christopher or Newport on the women's side. They've been kind of the, the head and shoulders of the conference. But one team that 
has been synonymous with the conference for a long time, playing really well, especially in women's basketball, has been Mary Washington. We just haven't had a chance to really talk about the Eagles over the last few years, but they're having a breakout season because we're still talking about them in mid-March because they're still playing in the second weekend of the NCAA tournament, thanks to a pretty good first weekend to get them there. Dina Appleberry, the longtime head coach of the Eagles, uh, has her team, forgive the term, said it a few times, Flying high and joining us on the Blue Frame or Huddle Hoopsville Hotline is the aforementioned Dina Appleberry. Coach, thanks for taking the time to join us. Congratulations uh, on getting here. I know it's been a, a bit of a, of a battle for a program that's used to being in the NCAA tournament, but here you are and still dancing. Thank you for having me on the show. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Um, tell me a little bit about the, just just where the evolution has has been because – Again, this is a program I remember not so many years ago was a stalwart, and I know it, it probably to some point gets very comfortable. Like you, you just assume and expect that's the success you will have, and then you kind of hit a bump in the road and you got to rebuild and retool. What's what's that evolution been like? Well, I mean, it's hard to sustain a program at at a high level, and um, you know, we did you know have a couple of years where we were down, but still we were. Always had a winning program, and and um, I'm just super pleased and happy with the way um, our kids are playing this year. And uh, to get back to this level is incredible. And and um, the girls have been playing really hard, and and um, they're super competitive. And we're just excited to be here. 24 and six on the season. Uh, losses to Marymount, Johns Hopkins, Christopher Newport, UC Santa Cruz, Christopher Newport. Oh, Christopher Newport. Sorry, didn't mean to mention that three times. But my point being is. All really good teams. Even Santa Cruz was a really good team this year. Uh, Johns Hopkins had a really good run this season. Uh, Marymount was a, was a pretty tricky team as well. When you look at it on the whole, really solid season. What's been working so well this year? Well, I think um, you know we just have a really well-rounded group of of athletes. Um, you know, we've got some guards that can really score from the perimeter. We have some that can really score off the bounce, and then we have some post players that can really get their job done in the paint. So um, that, accompanied with solid team defense, I think has really um, kind of put us where we're at. And it's you know, and again, it's just been fun to watch these kids really um, kind of put it all together, kind of figure it all out, and and. You know, the schedule that we had this year and even last year kind of, you know, building up to this point, uh, I think it's really propelled us and, and pushed us to the point where, you know, we know how what it's like to compete at a high level and, and how to uh, win in, in those type of games. When you look at the difference in the team from the beginning of the year till now, what's been the biggest growth point? What's been the biggest evolution? Well, I think just overall maturity and, and again, the kids just buying in completely. Um, I think they were 90% there and needed to go the extra 10 and they did it. Um, and I think just, again, a little bit of extra growth and, and experience, you know, playing in big games, um, you know, playing in big arenas, uh, having to have, you know, multiple kids step up on different nights and um, and just, again, being able to consistently show them and talk to them about um, kind of where our success is coming from and, and have them understand it, see it, buy it, and um, and continue to, you know, want to work really hard on the defensive end to understand that that is um, a big piece of why we are where we're at. Uh, but at the same time, we still need to make sure we're putting the ball in the basket and we need to be assertive and aggressive on the offensive end as well. And I think, um, you know, we've had a very good balance of both of those. I mean, we're in some top categories in, in both areas. And um, you know, it's just been, like I said, fun to kind of watch the maturity of our seniors and juniors uh, kind of rise to the occasion this year. 
And a lot of that maturity and, and such had to be in play this uh, last two games. Because you look at the Roger Williams game, and, and listen, I thought Roger Williams was a really good team no one was talking about this season. You beat them in the first quarter. They got you in the second. So be it. But then they get you third quarter. So they've got the lead going into that fourth, and you beat them 27-13. Most points scored in any of those quarters uh, with that 27 to come from behind and win 69-60. There had to have been part of that 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 senior leadership and that senior understanding of, listen, we don't go down. We don't go down without a fight at the very least. And, and we know we can come back. Well, I mean, I just continue to tell the players, you know, just to play our game and to relax and to kind of enjoy it and have fun with it. Um, you know, earlier in my career, I definitely uh, probably did not have that approach and was a little bit probably maybe a little more maybe nervous and anxious myself. But at this point, you know, they just have to enjoy it and relax and play their game and, and stay within themselves and, and not feel pressured to do too much or get outside of themselves and just to stick with the game plan and, and you know, let the chips fall where they may. And I think, um, again, the buy-in, I mean, they they believe that. They felt it. They, I could sense it in them. I could tell they weren't worried. I could tell they weren't anxious or nervous. Um, and, and, you know, it was really nice to see, again, continue to see new kids and new players step up in new ways, and especially coming down the stretch in the fourth quarter in a game against Roger Williams, who, like you said, is a really good team. Well, and then you took on DeSales, uh, who were 27-1 and entering that game. Really tough team to play at their place um, on a good day. Uh, on, a, on a tough day, it's going to be even worse. And you led – for the most part, for for much of the game, what was it a what did you take advantage against the Bulldogs, which probably had one of their better teams they've had in a number of years? What did you take advantage of? What did you what did you see as something you could execute to end up pulling off the victory there, winning seventy five sixty nine? Well, I think, again, I mean, you know, our team defense is is pretty incredible. And, I mean, man, DeSales is very well coached, and they have some super talented athletes. And they were hard to guard and hard to handle. Um, and, you know, the game did go back and forth several times. I mean, we might have had to lead a lot, but it, it went back and forth. Um, uh, and they, they challenged us every step of the way. There's no doubt about it. But I just think our kids, you know, stuck with the game plan. I mean, we needed to get the ball into the paint a little bit. We still had to score from the perimeter. Um, and we just had to play stingy defense. We had to make sure that, you know, every shot that they took was was contested and that we made them earn it and, and trying to limit them on the boards and make sure we're boxing them out and doing our job on getting after all the 50-50 balls and, and trying to just be um, assertive and, and match their intensity and match their aggressiveness. And and again, I think um, I think come down the stretch, I mean, I think we did that. And um, sometimes throughout, I think, the course of this year, we've, we've struggled with getting those 50-50 balls and being the most aggressive team on the floor. And these last two games, uh, you know, I think, you know, we, we held our own in that area. Well, listen, you talk about the defense, 52 points a game, um, less than, we should point out, less than 52 points a game is saying something. You allow your opponents uh, to shoot, I'm double-checking, less than 34% and just barely 22% from beyond the arc. Certainly solid numbers. And when it comes to rebounding, you're out-rebounding your opponents by four and a half, and you're causing them 23 turnovers per contest. Uh, That all speaks to kind of chaotic defense to put a little bit of a, of a spin on it. You face Christopher Newport in their chaotic defense. Is this kind of been something that's been built in because you take on a CNU-type squad? Or from my history, i kind of always known you've had good defenses. But the offense has usually stole the show. So has this been just kind of evolving with time? 
Well, I just think, you know, it's the kind of makeup of the team that we have right now. I mean, we have some kids that are just uh, very scrappy, very athletic, very aggressive and assertive on the defensive end. And so that certainly lends itself well for, um, I think, more sort of defensive efforts, you know, um, full court, half court, the whole bit. Um, but I think ultimately, I mean, you know, all the teams we played this year and, and probably, yes, Christopher Newport at the top of that. I mean, obviously, they're incredibly good, you know, has prepared us, I think, to be able to not only pick up our defense when we need to, but hopefully score when we, you know, when we are, you know, struggling or against good top defensive pressures. And, um, you know, it's just, it's been really nice just watching this group continue to develop. There's got to be something said about seeing, unfortunately, Christopher Newport three times in a season, but more importantly, seeing that defense and the chaos it can create three times in a year in how to build confidence, right? Like you're not going to see that basically from any other opponent. So if you can handle what they throw at you, you can probably handle what anybody else throws at you. So far, that's true. So far, that's true. <laughs> I don't. I mean, we might see somebody that does something more than they do, but so far, I haven't. So um, again, my hats off to them. Uh, you know, we did play them three times. We got better a little. You know, we got a little bit better yeah. each time we played them. But uh, you know, they're a tough team. So and that's why they're in the Sweet Sixteen as well. Tell me about about the individuals. We talked about the team as a group, but Jordan Carpenter, a junior, leads away at 15 points a game. You got Keegan Schwab, a junior, at 10.5 points. Sophomore and Elizabeth Dufresne at 8.5, 7.5 from Ashley Martin, who's a senior, and uh, Sydney Sherman at 7 points. Those five certainly are the ones that are at the top of the list. I know it's not the only five, but tell me a little bit about Carpenter, Schwab, and the rest of them. Well, Jordan is just, I mean, she's just an incredible athlete. Um, she's very coachable. She loves the game, works hard, um, really just gets in the gym and, and during practice is one of the hardest workers. And it's just a pleasure to work with her and coach her. I mean, she is just undeniable on the boards. Um, she's relentless on offense, shooting a very, very high percentage. Uh, she's one of the top, you know, field goal percentage, um, you know, players in the league right or in the in the country right now. And, um, you know, again, she's also coming down the stretch here in these last six games. I think I think five out of the last six games she's had that double-double. And um, she's just playing incredibly well right now. Um, you know, Keegan coming in, um, gosh, I mean, she has the ability to light it up and she can take the ball to the basket. She can post up. She's an incredible free throw shooter. She's She's got depth on her shot. Um, again, just, you know, it's nice to see her. Um, you know, come out uh, against the sales and, and knock down some threes for us. And um, we have so many players that are so good. I mean, Ashley Martin, gosh, I mean, she just does the things that uh, nobody else wants to do. You know, she just does the hard stuff. You know, we need grind out points, shot clocks running down, or, you know, we haven't scored in, you know, a couple minutes, three minutes. She's just the type of player that's like, give me the ball and get out of my way. I'm going to make something happen. And, and she does. <laughs> and defense kind of the same way. You know, she she's always tasked with guarding the best guard on the other team. And and usually she comes out on the on the right end of that, too. Uh, she's just a tenacious player and a, and a tough kid. Uh, it, it's it's fun to hear that. What I think won't be fun to anybody to hear was I mentioned only one senior, Ashley Martin. She's not the only one. There's Molly Sharman as well. But this rest of this group's got a lot of experience who are going to be coming back. And not that we're looking ahead, but this all this, what you're going through now and the season, the NCAA tournament, et cetera, that's all going in the memory banks for next year, too. Oh, yes. No, I mean, it definitely is. I mean, you know, don't get me wrong. I mean, our seniors are incredible. The three seniors that we have and even our fourth senior, uh, Bree Harper, who's injured this year, they've been incredible in terms of just, I think, 
kind of showing the young kids, um, um, you know, kind of all, all the ins and outs of what we do offensively and what we do defensively. And, and they've just been incredible in terms of people and leaders and, and, and even, and again, on the court, I mean, advice and suggestions and just their performance. I mean, you know, Carissa, you know, although, you know, she, she may not get a lot of stats, you know, she really does a great job on defense and she holds down the fort and the paint for us in that category. And, Molly's had some really big games for us this year, too. And um, so, you know, so those three are, are you know, they're going to be missed. But at the same time, you're right. We do have a good group that's going to be returning. And, um, you know, hopefully this stuff does stick with them and they, you know, want more. But right now, you know, we're just enjoying where we're at and trying to make the most of it and get as far as we can. Where you're at is a date with Smith at Smith up in uh, Central. I call it Central Mass, like many people call it Western Mass. They are 28 and 1 this season, considered the top team in the tournament, number four in the top 25 in, in the pre tournament D3 Hoops poll. Lynn Hersey's squad has proven game in and game out to be a very difficult team. What have you seen so far, and how do you think you can match up with them? Well, I mean, they're going to be incredibly tough. Uh, again, another very well-coached team, another very strong team. I mean, those girls are physical. They know how to play. Um, you know, they play together well, strong offense, strong defense. It is going to be a tough matchup, and especially playing them on their home court. Um, that's never going to be easy. But at the same time, again, we're just happy to be here, and, and um, you know, we're going to give it our best, and, and uh, hopefully, um, hopefully we can make it a good ball game, and I think we will and, and should be fun. I should have asked this to the other guests. I'll ask you, what's the travel plans? What's the what's the hope when you get up to uh, that part of the Massachusetts? Well, I mean, plan on leaving Wednesday. I don't have everything, all the details yet, because we don't have the call until tomorrow. But um, we're planning on leaving Wednesday morning at some point to get up there. And um, definitely, we're going to be close enough to the Naismith Hall of Fame that uh, we're definitely going to try to make a run by there and, and check nice. that out and um, give the girls, you know, an even better experience um, while, we're, while we're there. That's all about the experience, right? Yes. Yeah, no, that'll be fun. Well, congratulations again. Enjoy the trip. Uh, good luck in the game. We'll see. We'll look. I'll look forward to watching it for sure. Love to see how this all plays out. Um, but more importantly, congratulations on being to this point in the NCAA tournament once again. Uh, big accomplishment for the program. I know we have a tradition on the show. We always give the guests the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who might be tuned in? Yeah, I mean, I just want to say you know thanks to you know all of our friends and families and and uh, all the fans that were able to you know, attend uh, last weekend and support us. And, and hopefully we'll see, you know, those same people and a few more this next weekend. I know it's a further trip, so um, <laughs> hopefully we'll have a lot of supporters and you know, just want to thank all of them and, and um, you know, all of, you know, all of the staff back at Mary Washington and my assistant coaches and everybody for, you know, all the support and helping us out uh, to be able to get to this point. And obviously, you know, thank you, you know, for everything that you do for women's basketball and of course, division three basketball. Well, thank you, coach. I appreciate it. Yeah. The distance is what maybe, Probably two thirds more than than you just went. That's okay. They can do it. It's a nice trip. Just avoid New York City, uh, especially if you if you talk to Gettysburg. They'll tell you to avoid the city altogether. Hey, Coach. Good luck. Take care. Thanks for your time. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Thank you. Dina Appleberry joining us on the Huddle Hoopsville Hotline again. They'll take on Smith. That's an eight thirty game. We should point out both men and women staggered times, which has been really fun getting to see these games played out at different times. Uh, they'll take on Smith, as we mentioned, at eight thirty at Smith. That should be a really good game. Uh, you should tune in to all of them, in my opinion. That one's going to be on my list to tune into as well. Hey, uh, quick note. Uh, I know I got some texts. I know I got an email. Um, regarding the women's uh, committee decision on Trinity uh, and Tufts. 
I've not had a chance to read through it, but I will at some point before we get to the end of the show, we'll have an update on that. I just I just wanted everybody to understand. I got a little distracted. You may have seen me a little distracted. I know I've gotten some information. I have not been able to dive into it, uh, but we will get an update on that. Speaking of the updates, you might notice the tote board's been updated. Thank you uh, to another donation. We'll double check to make sure we haven't missed some others, but we are over that 80% mark uh, and marching our way towards full goal, and we appreciate all of those who have donated to the cause. When we come back, we'll pivot back to men's basketball. Mary Harden Baylor's Cliff Carroll joins us. You listen to Hoops, so presented by D3Hoops.com for the WBCA and ABC Studios. Much more ahead. The National Association of Basketball Coaches is the nation's premier professional development and advocacy organization for basketball coaches at every level. The NABC strives to serve as the voice for coaches on national issues while advancing the core value of leadership, service, advocacy, education, and inclusion. To learn more about the NABC and to become a member, visit nabc.com and follow the NABC on social media at nabc1927. That's nabc.com or nabc1927 on social media. your teams, your players, your community of fans. This is where they play, where they practice, where you cheer at every meet, every event, every game. Your community is passionate, dedicated, supportive. You know the tension of a close game and the thrill of the win. So while you're cheering, keep an eye out for anything out of the ordinary. If you see something suspicious, say something to local authorities. I learned a lot of valuable lessons playing college football. I never thought about the health benefits of exercise until I actually started to talk to coaches in college. It's not only just for performance, it's for life. My coaches instilled the importance of well-being, not only building up strength, mental health, getting enough sleep, eating properly, it's all what it is to be healthy. I decided that I want to go on a personal trainer and share my knowledge that I obtained in college about physical and mental well-being. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's nearly 850 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over two decades. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. Welcome back to Hoops, everybody. You might have heard me grumbling in the background because I was trying to set up something because I told you I wanted to show the highlight of Mary Harden-Baylor uh, moving on to the NCAA tournament thanks to an absolutely tremendous um, win uh, over ETBU, to say the least. Um, I'm going to try and add this, doing it on the fly. I apologize because this was not how I wanted to. I should have done this when I had some time earlier today, and, of course, I didn't because, you know, why would I make it easy? On myself, but just an absolutely bonkers finish. Actually, great games across the board. Um, they they just played extremely well uh, the whole weekend, but they also had some really tough competition the entire weekend as well. So let's take a look at how this one played out uh, in Belton. 
um, with these two teams uh, between ETBU. It came down to the end. Marin Baylor down, and this is how it played out. Oh, got to hit play, don't I? Uh, you know, it's a minor detail. Uh, there we go. Pretty amazing to say the least. Uh, pretty impressive victory to, to say the least. And an impressive... Uh, listen, I don't know if they like to be the heart, heart attack kids or not, but it seems like it fits their bill to some degree to talk about it and discuss it and maybe prove me wrong. Joining us on the Huddle Hoopsville Hotline, it's Cliff Carroll, who's probably peeking up at the big screen at what I just showed, one of the angles of that. Coach, you got to be pretty darn uh, pleased that your guys are able to do what they were able to do. But more importantly, you've got to be a little bit frustrated that they keep doing this to you. You know, we're trying to get our attendance numbers up out here in, in the Mayborn <laughs> Center. And, you know, if you just, you know, you got to give them something to, to cheer for, you know, so make it a little exciting, uh, I guess. I don't know. I mean, it's, yeah, we've done that to ourselves all year long. You know, we've had some amazing comebacks. We've had some amazing uh, end finishes of games. Uh, and I tell them all the time, I said, fellas, if y'all want a new coach, man, I'll just quit, right? You don't have to kill me. You don't have to give me the heart attack. Just tell me I'll, I'll move on. So, but, uh, but now these kids, they hang in, they believe, and, and they've won more games than they've lost doing that. Uh, yeah, that's saying it lightly. Uh, though, if memory <laughs> serves, and, I, and I'm shooting a little off the hip here, I apologize. But memory serves, this is how it didn't work out last season. Like, you needed that shot to fall, and it didn't fall, right? Uh,. I mean, you talk about it in the in the Elite Eight there? Yeah, in the yeah, Elite Eight. Whipped. <laughs> I mean, we were up by 15 in the first half to Elmer's, you know, and, and uh, um, you know, came down and just, you know, Elmer's was a better team in the second half. No, it's you know, true. We had, a three point, we had a three-point lead with 30 seconds left and, and you know, fouled a, fouled a shooter, you know, and they, they got the bucket and the, and the free throw. We had to go to overtime and, and uh, you know, they were good in overtime. So, um, yeah, so, but, but, you know, we were – you know, in the, in the first round versus Chapman, we, we had to come from 11 down with like two minutes to go, you know. And, and uh, so we had a lot of these games last year also. You know, Josiah Johnson's hit, I think, three or four game winners in his career. So uh, here at UMHB. So, you know, we're, we're, we practice in the game all the time. You know, we practice it weekly. And, and we feel like we're pretty good when it comes down to those situations that we can execute. No, you've got to be that good to execute, to say the least. Uh, it can't be a second thought. Uh, they've got to be able to just kind of go on on um, instinct. And to some degree, it seemed like in that moment, that's what happened because he bobbles the ball. He has to get that back. He's got to kind of re-trigger, <laughs> rethink, reshoot, re-go everything. And look at that. It worked out. Yeah, it's all happening right in front of me. So we, we had a timeout. And I tell you, Dave, the, the most important thing about, about what happened with the end of this game was during that timeout, uh, you know, Josh Bruton, who's, who runs our music, Hits my theme music, right? So I got a theme song, right? I'm a big believer in theme music, right? So it's it's Queso Blanco. You watch Blanco. it a little too much wrestling, Cliff. <laughs> no, man, no, Queso Blanco by by the Quaker City Nighthawks, right? And so All right. Hey, we're, lit, we're we're drawing up the play, and I don't use my board, so I really don't draw, right? I hadn't used my board all year, hadn't touched it, but like we're talking about what we want to run, and uh, and actually I'm asking Joe, hey Joe, what do you want to run, right? So uh, we know we're trying to get to get the ball to him, and then all of a sudden Queso Blanco hits, you know. So I just look at my boys, we can't lose now, you know. I mean, hit my theme music, man, like like this is it. So, um, but all this is happening right in front of me, and Joe bobbles the ball, the kid hits it out of his hands, 
It goes to Luke. Feely in the corner. I almost hit a timeout, you know, but Luke immediately gives it back to Josiah. Okay, timeout's off, you know. So, uh, and I'll tell you what, as soon as he went into his gather, I audibly said, oh, this is good, you know. And and the bench stood up and, and the ball hit the net and, uh, and you know, pandemonium ensued. And uh, so, yeah, that's, that's a moment that I'll never forget. I, I hope that that moment doesn't define our season. I hope we have more moments like that. You know, we have two more weekends to make moments, I hope. But, uh, but man, what, what a night and what a shot. The fact you knew when he had just gathering it, hadn't even fired yet, is pretty impressive. I know uh, this was the game I mentioned earlier in the show where I saw that it was uh, in a timeout, so I quickly went over to do a couple of other things behind the scenes. I was updating some scores and stuff. I had come back from my game. I went, all right, I'll go back. And by the time I got back, it was over. And I'm like, gosh darn it. And I went, all right, let me rewind. And I couldn't rewind. And now I'm even more frustrated. And even Pats and other guys around the slack going, oh, my gosh, you should have seen it. And I'm like, no, this can't be. And thank God for people who can do instant replay very quickly. Got it up, and I got to watch it. And I got to watch it from multiple angles. Um Listen, this is a team that you guys have had an interesting season. It started at the beginning where you went out to Cali and you played three tough teams out in the Skyac. You went 2-1. and one. I think it, it, it raised some eyebrows in a couple of ways. Raised some eyebrows about the Skyac early in the season. It raised some eyebrows. Is Mary Harden Baylor going to do what they did to us last year of, of stumble around and, and kind of not give us the team we want and then finally show up at the end and, oh, my gosh, and we were all talking about it. And then you took a month off and you had Thanksgiving. And you relaxed, and you had a nice break, and then you restarted your season. What was that beginning like? Because let's be honest, that is not prototypical. No, and, and that was terrible scheduling, you know. But it was just kind of what what we could get, you know. I mean, uh, you know, there's been a lot of talk about you know whatever and scheduling and everybody. But I'm just telling you, it's, out here in Region Ten, it's really hard, right? Yes. So out 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 here, it's really hard. So. You know, we came down and, and you know, we're lo- looking for, um, you know, we're looking for games. And, and I, I'm talking to these guys in California, of course, you know, last year, had we not won our tournament, I'm not sure, you know, we could have been the berry of last year, you know, like where we had the, the 23 Fair. and 2 record. And we had a, you know, our SOS was okay. It was like in the 520s. It wasn't good, but it wasn't terrible. But we were 0 and 0 versus ranked opponents. And yeah. so, um, you know, we knew that we had to go find, ranked opponents and it's really hard you start looking at this Dave and and as a coach it's really hard to kind of predict you know so like all right so what can we do can we go get you know somebody out of region three or region 10 or whatever region five whatever well I just decided we're gonna go play five of the best teams in our region that we could and that kind of ensured that we did at least get a couple you know like we ended up with seven so um so it, it it kind of worked out for us but you know we went and got you know, what ended up being the three best teams in, in California. And we went out and we got Whitworth, you know, and, and Linfield, who, you know, Whitworth won their league. So, uh, and then we were lucky to have some teams in the ASC become ranked. So that helped yes. us. You know, we ended up, I think, five and two with RROs. Um, but the timing of it all was bad. You know, like we don't do well with breaks, right? So we start the season, you know, with a eight month break or whatever it is, you know, start the season, we lose at Claremont Mud Scripts. You know, very, very good team. Uh, Coach had them, had them just ready to roll, uh, and they just pounced on us, right? So uh, then, then we turn on one, two games. Then we take that month off, like you talked back. We come back, we play at Concordia, we lose, you know? So, like, we take Christmas break, we come back, we play Sol Ross at home, we lose. So, you know, I knew better than that. I know that we lose our focus a little bit, and breaks hurt us. So wasn't very smart, uh, <laughs> wasn't very smart scheduling, but 
um, you know, it, it kind of, uh, you know, we got on that roll late in the season. We won 14 in a row, and, you know, here we are. So uh, we're able to get the at-large bid, and, and we're, we're very thankful for it. Yeah, 14 in a row, only upended by Harden Simmons in what was basically the second game of a doubled hit in, in what, eight days. You played him in the yeah. first round of the NCAA, yeah, the ACA, ASC tournament, which essentially started started the bubble popping. It wasn't an actual bubble pop at that moment, <laughs> but it started the popping, or at least started putting bubbles on tenuous moments. Were you nervous? Were you nervous that you guys had just lost the NCAA tournament right right then and there? That that extra loss so, put the ASC right squarely, that tournament that, that, that you needed to win now? Yeah, so, uh, you know, I really appreciate all the work that, that all the, the guys do, you know, the, the Drew Pastors and the Snyder brothers. And, and like, that information really is helpful, you know, because it kind of gives us an idea of where we are. Um, you know, and it's not perfect and it's not exact, but it's, it's pretty no. good. You know, those guys are pretty good at it, you know? So, uh, so we're sitting there and, and after we lose, you, of course you go in there and you look at, at Drew Pastor stuff. Okay. We're good. We're like C, you know, seven, six, you know, we're good. Right. So we're fine. <laughs> then that night, you know, just a couple, okay, we're fine. We're fine. The next morning, get up you go to church, come home from church. Like goodness, what's going on here? And then right? I just couldn't handle, I just couldn't handle it anymore. So I went in the backyard and started pulling weeds, you know, out, out of the backyard and, and, uh, you know, just I, I just remember coming in and, and Quillman had had kind of put out a tweet, you know, like, you know, this is carnage. And, and I just, you know, I just said, I'm going back out and pulling weeds, man. So yeah, you know, no. if it happens, it happens. If not, there's nothing we can do. Like, we ended up being OK, you know, but I'm telling you, there were some really, really good teams that were left out. You know, like I feel like CMS is I mean, you, you can go on. I guess yep. you guys have really debated all that. But, um, you know, CMS was, was close to us because we played them and they're in our region and our friends friends of those guys and, and so um you know that was a tough one to see being left out and, and you know pretty in normal years you know last year they're probably in so uh yeah that, that got a little hairy there right? that bloody sunday you know <laughs> there's a good there's a good way of putting it yes uh carnage is the least of the of the words we could use uh without making people really angry um it was it was absolutely crazy uh, but you did you did bolster this resume. You did get into the NCAA tournament. You guys earned an at-home, thanks in part to your facilities. You got a chance to take that. But then you had two huge battles in Shriner and ETBU, proving what we all knew. There's good basketball in Texas. No one doubts that. But, but actually, some of the carnage forced you guys to get a home game, essentially, and not have a different matchup. Tell me about the weekend. Man, it was it was a great weekend of basketball. It was a great showcase of Division Three basketball for the state of Texas. You know, uh, you know, we're, we're relatively newcomers, even though our league's been around for twenty five years. You know, we're we're relatively newcomers when it when you look at the national scheme and and uh, you know, even in our own state, sometimes we fight the stigma of D three bat. You know, Divi- Texas yeah. D three basketball. And so, anybody that looked at in, either one of those games saw high level basketball, a lot of great players. You know, great plays being being made. You know, game winners. And I mean, it was yeah. just really a, a great showcase for basketball. And I thought it was really cool that us and ETBU was the last game of the night. You know, for on, on Saturday night. And so we got a lot of eyeballs there on our second half. You know, and uh, except for yours, apparently you had something else to do. But uh, uh, that that last no. game, that last play there. <laughs> But, you know, I feel like it was, you know, I think maybe we could have opened some eyes. I mean, you look at, at ETBU and you look at the type of athletes and players that they have, you know, my 
goodness gracious, you know, we hadn't seen those guys yet. You hadn't seen a Derry Moore play yet, you know. So, uh, you know, the, the Aaron Greg, those guys, I mean, those are big-time basketball players. Of course, you know, Josiah's kind of got a name. He's been on some All-American. Yes. Most people kind of know about him. But, you know, you make that kind of shot in that kind of a moment, you know, you're going to elevate your standing a little bit. People will think a little differently of you. So uh, definitely was a great weekend of basketball. The, the, the atmosphere was awesome. We had great crowds. Um, you know, from from all fans, it wasn't just UMHB fans. I mean, we we had, uh, you know, Shriner was their crowd was was amazing that first night. I mean, they traveled really well. So yeah, um, you know, Circle Trocky kind of said, you know, on your podcast, hey, Region Ten, it was what it was. We're going to try to put this tournament in a spot. It's going to give give these kids a showcase, you know, in an experience. And I think Mary Harden Baylor was able to do that by the way that we we uh, hosted, and also by the basketball played and the crowd that we had. It was it was an incredible weekend of basketball. No, I think that you know there was a purpose to it, and 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 it looked like it worked out well. Talk, we'll talk about the weekend coming up in a bit, but talk about the team. We've talked about Josiah Johnson. We've talked about him for years. He's still the the straw that stirs the drink. Twenty one point six points per game, uh, four and a half, actually five rebounds per contest. He's second on the team in assists. He's first on the team in steals. He's um, second on the team in blocks. There's a lot that he does. But how's his game evolved? Because last year we were talking about the fact he was playing on a wounded leg. This year, what's it been like? Uh, you know, when we first got him, you know, when, when I recruited Josiah, he came here on his recruiting trip, and it was kind of cut short. We had some some storms. We had hail. His mom was trying to beat the hell out of town. And so, you know, I didn't get a chance to really sell him, right? And so basically, all the way out, he looked me in the eye and said, Coach, if I come here, what do you want me to do for you? I said, Joe, you just come in here and get buckets, buddy. And so that's what he's done. He's the all-time leading scorer in the history of, of UMHB. Uh, he's got a good chance to break that record for the for the conference next year. He's an all-time steals leader here at UMHB. Like he's he's going to own a lot of records. He's going to win a lot of games. He's going to have a lot of big moments. But I'm really proud of the kid. He's really matured from from two years ago to now. He's really expanded his game. You know, his first year here, I'm not sure he can guard a chair if it had wheels on it. You know, uh, you know, he just he just wanted to get buckets. That's where his focus was you know and so i have really been on his tail end about being on the defensive end of, of, of the ball being better that way on that side of the ball and he's really evolved i hope he's not listening i don't want him getting the big head you know but uh you know he's really become a, a good defender you know and and so he's 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 just been more mature he's a better leader he's being vocal like uh, it's really been fun to watch him grow over the last couple of years uh i think you're being strategic there just just to say the least um He's not the only one, obviously. Ty Prince, 17 points a game. Luke Feely, 11 points a game. They both bring in their rebounds. Prince leads the team in assists, uh, leads the team in blocks as well. Uh, Kyle Wright certainly contributing. I know there's a lot of other guys. You play a good uh, deep bench. Give me a little bit about the rest of the guys not named Josiah. Yeah, so Ty Prince is, is kind of a unicorn. You know, he's about six six, six seven. You know, he's kind of got the poofy hair. You know, so it's kind of hard to tell how tall he really is. But um, I mean, he, he if you just looked at us warming up, you would think, okay, that's the center. And effectively, he 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 uh, he, he performs as our point guard. You know, like he's got leads us in assists and moves the ball and initiates some offense. And so he gives us a lot of versatility offensively and defensively. He can guard a lot of different people, and he's just uniquely talented for his size. You don't have a whole lot of guys, you know, at this level that can match his physicality. So when you put him and his skill set next to Josiah, you know, those two guys, you know, when when they're both both you know locked in, it's it's really tough. And then you know, 
kind of the heart and soul of our team is is the Kyle Wright Luke Feely combo. You know, those two guys just play super hard. They play great defense. Kyle Wright has made some of the most unbelievable defensive plays that I have ever seen. When it comes down to crunch time, like we're down. You know, when when we're playing uh, when we're playing the University uh, UT Dallas at home. And we're down by nine with like two fourteen left. Kyle Wright just comes up with some steals that, like, you know, I mean, I, I, I still you go back and watch film, you're like, I can't believe this. So uh, <laughs> that kid's kind of, you know, him along with with Luke are kind of the heartbeat of our team. You know, the toughness and the grit and the, you know, just the play hard and, um, you know, and we just we just have you know, you, guy like Gibson Hearn who just does so much for us. Doesn't show up in, in the stat sheet, you know, like he's the ultimate competitor. He's the ultimate team guy. Um, you know, he's a guy that's going to graduate early and, you know, kind of treat him as a senior, even though he has, has some time left. But, um, you know, th- these guys are really engaged and, and they're really uh, committed to each other and playing hard. It's, it's been real special. Um, Christopher Newport ahead. Tough team. We all know that. Uh, you're going to be at their place, which means cross-country trip. Wait, you've done that before. You just go in the other direction instead. How do you prepare for the captains? What are you expecting? What do you see? And it's tough, you know. That big boy inside Barber, you know, we, we, we try to take uh, you know two of our little freshman guards and, and sit them on top of each other, you know, and, and try to move, try to figure out how big he is, you know. So, um, you know, it's kind of like the old Ducktales cartoons, you know. So, uh, um, you know, he's they're just really good. I mean, they're really athletic. Um, you know, they 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 run good stuff. You know, they they're they're kind of a uh, um, they kind of offensively kind of have the same. Uh, concepts is us you know it's not real complicated and it's getting your best players in spots where they can be effective you know and you know they're, they're just they're really good defensively they're a very good team like you know, i would say that they're a good offensive team but a great defensive team you know i would say that we're a good defense team but a great offensive team so it's going to be a great kind of match of of you know uh strengths there and and uh, there's going to be some incredible matchups that I'm really looking forward to out there, you know, and see how we can guard them and how they can guard us and, you know, the individual things. And, and uh, uh, he's one of the, you know, uh, no offense, coach, but, like, you're one of the few guys that have less hair than I do now, you know, so <laughs> I'm looking forward to that, you know. So but, uh, I've got – so I got, I got to know Corn a little bit last year. We tried to figure out how to play a game, and, and I love his energy, man, and, and I yeah. I just have some, some great uh, – some people, you know, tell me some great things about him. I really look forward to meeting him in person and, and uh, you know, developing that relationship further. Um, you know, I, th- I think he's one of the unique guys in Division Three, and, you know, hopefully this won't be the last time that, that Christian Newport, Mary Hart, and Baylor play each other. Oh, that's a nice hint of what we might see in the future. Uh, by the way, you could always take that trip out to Vegas. I'm just saying. You could, you two could come together and play it for us. I'm just saying. I'm shellfish. Um, Dave, I'm telling hey, you, what, Pitt- we're looking for – we're going to hire a new women's coach. You know, we don't, we haven't really gotten a process yeah. yet, but that's going to be my, my first duty is to talk our new women's coach and to come to Vegas. We're going to do it all together. Mary Harden Baylor's coming strong. And, uh, Brilliant. And we'll, we'll, you know how yeah, it works. Couple years. Hey, we're going to get out there, man. We loved it last time we went out there. No, and it worked out for you guys. And I think, it would, uh, hey, when they both come out, I, I've seen great things happen, not only there, but for both programs. So I, I agree with you there. Hey, listen, real quick business. Your former school, Saul Ross, has finally announced that they're heading off to Division Two, and depending on who you talk to, that's a, a, an a interesting decision and a bad one, depending on their perspectives. Um, but it's another hit to the ASC, and while it's mainly a hit to football, let's be honest, basketball shrinking is not the end of the world. It would help your schedules a little bit, even though it is tough to schedule. I get it. You get non-conference games is my point. 
I know it's made everybody sweat because at this point, everybody could scramble trying to solve their football problem, and that creates everybody else's problem. How unsettling is it right now in terms of the ASC, which if people are looking on paper, seems okay from the basketball perspective, but we know there's a lot going on. Dave, I, I mean, you know me a little bit, man. I, I'm not smart enough to be able to worry about all these different things, man. Like, uh, I coach basketball, you know, like, if, and if I start worrying about other things, then, then I'm not good enough of a basketball coach to get my team ready. So, uh, you know, here, hopefully in about two weeks, I'll start worrying about it, you know. Um, I know that we got great presidents in this league. I know that, that we're very proactive. Our presidents are very proactive. I know that they have a plan, you know. Uh, I trust them that they have a plan. I hope that, that, um, uh, you know, the commitments that they've made to each other are good and solid. You know, I hope that, that there's not a commitment being made. And then, all right, we're working some side deals just in case, you know. I hope that, that these schools that are saying they're committed to each other follow through with that. I think they will, you know. I mean, it's a, a group of good men. But, you know, I see your face there. You're a little bit skeptical. Uh, you know, just it's, it's outside of a coach's control, even though, you know, we do have to worry about that a little bit. So, um you know, it's still still to be seen. If Sol Ross will make it to D two, you know they're they're going they're going to go through the process, you know. But we'll see. Uh, you know, if That's they make it all the way through. Yeah, yeah. I mean, best of luck to them. I, I still love that place. You know, I, I spent five great years out there. It was a, a great adventure and a great time in my life. And you know, one of my sons was, was born out there in the hospital of Alpine. And it's not a barn, actually, Dave. It's an actual hospital. Uh, I did have that question before. <laughs> I, uh, I wasn't going there. <laughs> That's brilliant, uh, yeah, though. But Willie was born out there. I saw it. I saw it happen. So, uh, um, <laughs> but no, I, I have a great time there, man. I, I, I love that place. I love the people there. I wish them all the best. And if, if it's if it's God's plan to have them be a Division two school, I, uh, you know, I hope that they go out and conquer the world, you know. So, uh, but they have a long ways to go. There's a lot of hurdles that they still have to, to jump. So, um, you know, I, I, I don't know if, you know, if it's going to be, there yet I, I hope you know like i said that's what they want I, god bless them i hope them. but uh but i'm not going to panic about our league right now you know i know we got great leadership and, and we'll be able to figure this thing out well i appreciate the time yeah i certainly wasn't uh expecting uh by the way my skepticism is more along the lines of i've heard many times or X is agreed to and Y ends up being the reality so that's all yeah um well who knows yeah but, some 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 of the presidents, the politician side, come out of them, you know, like, yeah. uh, you know, yeah. you can't trust them politicians. <laughs> I don't, sir. Uh, to from <laughs> yes, agreed, absolutely. I was going to come up with some witty saying, but I'm I'm out of I'm fresh out of witty sayings. <laughs> um, hey, congratulations, good luck, and uh, we can reveal a little bit of a tip uh, a tip for everybody on where I may be this weekend. I'll see you Friday. Yes, sir. Hey, <laughs> hey, listen. I heard, maybe you know this, but cra- is it crab cakes, right? Is that what's supposed to be eaten out there in that port well, of Virginia? You, like, I mean, that's more, Maryland tries to make that their thing. But listen, you're in, you're around the Chesapeake Bay. Absolutely. Crab cakes are, are a must and make sure you don't get too much filler with them. Now, now, Krikorian's trying to sell me on some barbecue, man. Like, dude, barbecue's Texas, good too. Like, I mean, I, I know. I, mean, I think. My brand new yeah. Miller's barbecue T-shirt on. Like, no, I think you. I, I don't think. Listen, you got your standards on barbecue, and I don't know what they're going to have down there. But you're you're setting yourself up for disappointment based on your own your own standards. I say you do right. a little bit different. Yeah, I think crabs are definitely where you go if you really can find a place that's going to have a crab feast, and you sit them and pick them and and sit there for a few hours having a good old chat with everybody. Sure, but I don't know if you got that kind of time. Crab cakes are a pretty solid choice. Yeah, I mean. 
I mean, it, I mean, that's that's kind of your realm out there, man. I'm gonna listen to you. We're gonna find us some. We're gonna maybe not crab I mean, cakes, maybe just some crab, right? Like you're right there you at the mouth not? of the Chesapeake. You can't go wrong. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Maybe a buffet. Is there a buffet out there, Dave? You know. Um. Good question. I don't know that answer. Believe it or not, because the Chesapeake is so big, that is, and I know this is going to pale in comparison to your mind, but that is close to a five-hour drive for me. Okay. Well, that's nothing to Texas, man. No, I know. I've I've driven across Texas. took me 13 hours point to point. I'm fully aware. I I realize. I'm just saying, I'm just not down there as often as you think I would be. (laughs) Man, we got Bob Pullman last weekend. We got Dave McHugh this weekend. Yeah. You make Make it to next weekend, you get Pat Coleman. Yeah, I don't know about Pat. We'll see. <laughs> Pat, I'm kidding, buddy. I'm joking. I'm kidding. Pat, I promise you, I love you, buddy. That was brilliant, you know you're from sir. Minnesota, but, but we'll be good, man. That was brilliant. You get Ryan Scott, too. Hey, sir, great yeah. to chat with you. As always, we give the guests the final word. After that, I don't know if you got anything better, but any final thoughts you want to share with those tuned in? Hey, listen, man. I love life, man, and uh, can't be any better. Uh, we're in the Sweet 16. We're going to go play a great team on the road. I got a great team myself, you know, and and we're we're just loving life, man. I'm bringing my nine year old, my nine year old day, my nine month old baby, my kids. Waterboy Wayland's gonna be there, you know. He's got great records, so, uh, man, just I'm fired up, man. This this is a great time of year. It's a great time of year for D3 hoops, you know, and and I just hope that we can, uh, you know, go out there to 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 Christopher Newport and make Texas proud. Yeah, well, I'll be dragging the sun along if he behaves himself. So, look forward to meeting you and and seeing some good games, sir. Hey, we need another water boy, man. Throw him, throw him on the bench. I'm already trying to do some other work around here. Hey, we'll talk to yeah. you soon. You take care of yourself, all right? All right, brother. We'll see you. Cliff Carroll joining us on the Huddle Hoopsville Hotline. Great to chat with him. Now I'm way off and way behind schedule, so we're going to get quickly pivoted here. Just a quick reminder, there is an update for the Women's Committee. I have not had a chance to read it. I'm being honest with you. Uh, I know there's one in my email. We're working on that to get that information updated for the end of the show. Uh, So we'll stick around for that. We will get some information to you from them. In the meantime, speaking of women, we're going to pivot and go out to Christopher Newport. Sandra Fan will join us to uh, talk about her team as a senior on a squad that is trying to win its national title. You're listening to Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com for the WBCA and ABC Studios. Back with more after this. The National Association of Basketball Coaches is the nation's premier professional development and advocacy organization for basketball coaches at every level. The NABC strives to serve as the voice for coaches on national issues while advancing the core value of leadership, service, advocacy, education, and inclusion. To learn more about the NABC and to become a member, visit nabc.com and follow the NABC on social media at nabc1927. That's nabc.com or nabc1927 on social media. got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's nearly 850 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over two decades. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. 
Nobody covers Division III basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. It's on us to stop sexual assault. In any way that we can. To get a friend home safe. To never blame the victim. It's on us. To stand up. To make our community safe for all. It's on us. It's on us to look out for each other at parties. It's on us. To be more than just a bystander. To step up and say something. It's on us, all of us. To, to stop, stop sexual assault. assault. Learn how and take the pledge at itsonus.org. Coach of the Year, Administrator of the Year, All-America Team, Wade Trophy. The WBCA doesn't just honor coaches, but players, administrators, and much more. The WBCA strives to honor those who have contributed to the advancement of women's basketball. Celebrate the present, honor the past, look to the future. And welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. As we continue on this Monday evening, if you've got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville, hashtag Hoopsville, email us, hoopsville at D3Sports.com. It's all on the bottom of your screen. We're live simulcasting the show on Facebook and YouTube as well and got it all out in one breath. Um, Pat Miller coming up later in the program from Whitewater. We're so far behind, i got to text him to tell him that we're basically a segment behind, but he will be on. And again, we've got an update from the Women's Committee. I have not read it, so I can't even tell you what it might say and what we can read from it. Um, but we will get you that information, whatever they sent, basically on. Uh, I'm pretty sure it's revolving around the decision of Tufts and Trinity, but we'll get to that in a bit. Uh, women's basketball, one of the best teams in the country, has been the captains of Christopher Newport, of course, uh, in that chaotic defense. Uh, once again, undefeated. They've had one loss, one loss since December of 2019, which is just bonkers when you start to really wrap your mind around that. Senior, who's won, I think, 110 games, or at least, in her career, as I double-check uh, my notes, because I'm pretty sure I'm, a, I'm right about that. 104. I gave her a few extra. 104 wins in her career is the kind of the leader of that squad and helps them tick, and I would say she's probably the heartbeat of the team in more ways than one. It is Sandra Fan, and she will be joining us now on the Huddle Hoopsville Hotline as she joins us from Christopher Newport. Hey, First and foremost, I, I did screw it up there on the graphic. I'll fix that. How are you? Welcome to the show, and congratulations on, on everything you've been doing so far. But uh, is this the best time of year, the second best time? Well, how does this rank with the general sense of everything? <laughs> I would say this is the best time of year. It's March. Um, March Madness for us, heading to the Sweet 16. Couldn't be more proud of my team. And, uh, yeah, just excited. Uh Yes, it's obviously the best time of year. It's kind of <laughs> just testing you there to just see. You decided to come back for this. You decided that you wanted to to you, you the job wasn't done, for lack of a better way of saying it. I know the pandemic had an influence on that. I'm curious, was the decision made because of the pandemic, or was the decision made on how last season ended? Um, I want to more say the pandemic. Um, this is an amazing program. This university, um, how supportive everyone is here. And I just just couldn't leave last year and had to come back. Makes total sense to me. Uh, I would, I, If I could, I would do the same. Again, one loss since December of 2019, which, of course, incorporates the shutdown of the, of the pandemic season. And so you were still in the NCAA tournament at that point. It incorporates anybody who was able to play um, some games in, in that 
shut down a 20 and 21. And then into last year where your one loss was this round of the NCAA tournament against Trinity. Otherwise, you've been rolling. This is going to sound a little strange, but at some some level, do you get used to the fact that when you take the floor, it's going to be a victory? Um, it's just it's just one game at a time. I mean, just so focused on the next opponent that I couldn't even tell you my one my last loss was in 2019. Just so focused on the next opponent, the next game, and um, any opportunity and challenges that come our way. What attracted you to Christopher Newport? Uh, so I actually only live 15 minutes away from here, so family, and then just coming here and meeting everyone, the team, just such a family-like feel, and I just this was just the place for me after visiting. What about the program? Because I am I'm willing to bet, considering where you were and, and probably what you were like as a player in high school, yeah, CNU wasn't the only one who came calling. Uh, and a few other schools called. Uh, I went and visited, but it just wasn't the same as CNU. Um, obviously, we have a winning program here. The girls are great. The coaches are amazing. And just the administrative staff, just we're just all one here. You get, again, a heck of a, a team to join. It's a team that is known as for their chaotic defense that goes 94 feet. I've gotten a chance to see you on that team playing it. Do you have to have a different mentality coming in on what you're going to do in terms of whether you're, you like to play an offense and now it's going to be defense or you love defense, but we're still taking this to a whole nother level? Like, How's that m- mental change as you, as you kind of start into that chaos? Uh, definitely a faster pace here at CNU. Captain's Chaos is another another monster. I mean, you have to be uh, in shape when you're in season. Uh, throughout, you got to keep up. Uh, just just different. Never ran a full court press in high school until I got here. So definitely a challenge, but fun to play. And did you know that coming in? Did you do you knew when you were making that decision? This is you were going to have to kind of learn that ideal. <laughs> Uh, I actually did not. Um, first day of oh. practice, man. First day here at CNU was was different. Quick. Uh, yeah, I can impressive. imagine. <laughs> did Did you instantly have regrets? <laughs> uh, I could say freshman year was kind of hard, but uh, picked it up at the end. Uh, so. Yeah, well, you picked it up pretty well. <laughs> that defense is crazy. I'm curious, what's the mentality like as a player? What, what do you have to be thinking about when, when playing that defense? Is it about your teammates? Is it about the opponent? What, what, what's going on in your head as you're trying to execute? Just got to be aggressive. In the, I'm usually playing in the front, so you got to be aggressive, hands up. Um, don't, not being scared of being beat, trusting the backcourt to be there when there's those long passes to get those steals, to just going out there and just being aggressive, being smart and not getting beat middle, uh, force them sideline. Uh, you have been pretty synonymous with success at Christopher Newport. First player to win four conference championships. Uh, you've reached the sectionals all four years, so basically you've always had plans for the second weekend of March. Um, Your eighth all-time in scoring, seventh among active players in career field goals, uh, 13th in career steals. Um, again, 71-1 and one record since December 19. Uh, All-American, preseason All-American. You've got a lot of accomplishments. I'm curious. If you don't win the championship, will it still feel like a successful um, athletic life at Christopher Newport? It's a really good question. Obviously, that's the end goal of this. Um, just 
I don't even think about any of the stats. Just like I love being part of this program. The girls here are absolutely amazing. Um, they're going to be my friends for life. And that's all I'm really going to take out of this is just being able to be a part of their life, having them in my life and just supporting them the rest of the way. What's the vibe like on campus? I got a chance to call the soccer team's championship, and I knew that was a huge moment for Christopher Newport. And you've had so many programs so close, lacrosse programs, basketball programs, soccer programs, um, across the board. Winning is something that's not demanded. It's just it's part of the culture. That's a good thing. I mean, you all have that expectation. But what's it like when another team wins a championship? I'm sure you're happy for them. But does that drive you further? Oh, absolutely. Um, just a great campus. Uh, me and my teammates, a few of my teammates went out to uh, Salem last year to watch softball, take home the trophy. Um, yeah. Came back. The women's soccer team had their little celebration when the Christmas tree was lit. Uh, we were all out there. So just a great atmosphere when someone takes home a big trophy like that. What's it like on campus in general? Are, are, the, are the student body invested? Is everybody is is the campus buzz with the success of the programs? Uh, definitely. I walk into class and everyone says, hey, congrats on Player of the Week or hey, congrats on a conference championship. Walk into the library, uh, see different or see students and just congratulating. Super, super positive atmosphere here with athletics. Uh, by the way, we should we should point out you're obviously a student first. Uh, that's kind of important. Uh, and you <laughs> stuck around to do, do your master's uh, to be able to continue playing. Tell us a little bit. You told me before you're, you're a finance major, but tell us a little bit about what drew you to finance and what you're doing with your master's. Uh, so came back as a fifth year. I graduated undergrad last year in finance. So my next goal was to get my master's. It was just perfect. It's a quick one-year program. Uh, 30 credits. So I took 15 last semester. I'm taking 15 now. I'm also a graduate assistant. So I'm working during the day uh, up wow. to practice. And then I go to class at night till about 8.45. So full schedule uh, every day. Uh, a little slower on Fridays. Um, I don't have class on Fridays. It's just Monday to Thursday, but till oh, 8.45. So pretty late. <laughs> Hashtag YD3 to say the least. Mm -hmm. uh, tell me about your team. Um, you lead the way at 14 points a game, but you got Anaya Sim, uh, Simmons at, at 13.7, eight points from uh, Hannah uh, Kaloe, I and I know there's others. Tell me about your teammates. T give us a sense of who <laughs> they are and what makes you guys so good. Absolutely amazing. Um, loved playing with them, have um, enjoyed playing with Anaya Simmons. Uh, just she knows when I'm passing to her, sometimes I throw some crazy passes and she's still able to catch it. Uh, Kaloi, young, um, very driven, works hard. And, of course, our floor general, Gabby San Diego, just been a blast playing with her. She brings great energy to the floor. And then another leader, um, Katie Rader, uh, just always bringing that positive energy for us, um, always uplifting all of us uh, throughout the day in practice, even in academics. She's always there for us. She's like the mom of the team. <laughs> Uh, what's it like with Coach? Because I've seen Bill in action on the sideline. He is an intense individual. But then we'll get him on the show, and he's almost like a, a, a teddy bear. He's kind of quiet, not very uh, sometimes uh, not very emotional. That, that's a heck of a dynamic between one and the other. What's it like to, to be un, to be coached by Coach? Exactly like you said on the court, he's he brings that intensity, that competitiveness in practice and in games, and then. Off the courts, he's always there for us, just like you said, a teddy bear. 
Um, just love the energy that he brings to the floor. Sometimes in practice, um, if he's not there yelling at us, it's just just can get messy sometimes. It <laughs> feels a little weird. feels a little quiet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you got uh, a really good game against Wartburg coming up, a team that has certainly earned their way through the tournament. You guys got through a Brooklyn team and then a pretty tough Elizabethtown team uh, to get to this point. First off, the the games that were, and then we'll pivot, and the game that is coming up. But what was it like the first weekend? First weekend, we know it's going to be tough. Brooklyn, uh, really scrappy team, very aggressive, um, very good shooters. Uh, we're able to just run out on their shooters, uh, contain their best player. Um, just, just overall a good game for us uh, Friday night. And then into Saturday, Elizabethtown, very great team. Um, lost four games, three to Scranton, which is another great team. Uh, just had to bring that aggressiveness to the floor, uh, getting rebounds. They're a very good rebounding team, so we needed to box out. Uh, just keep up with the intensity of the game. Wartburg coming up. Um, obviously, this is the, the Mendoza line for the last two NCAA tournaments because back in 2020, this is where everything shut down, essentially. This year, or last year, is obviously where Trinity kind of surprised you guys and Amherst. This time you'll travel to another NESCAC school in Tufts. Um, you've made this trip before. What are you expecting from Warburg? What What's the message this week leading into the weekend? Uh, obviously, Warburg is a very good team. They beat Hope at Hope, which is a very tough game. Uh, they always have a good atmosphere at every game. Uh, we usually watch Hope and try and play together. A very good matchup. And just seeing the crowds that Hope brings out. Just very hard to play there and um, just congrats to Wartburg for that big win. Um, just ready to take on another challenge this weekend at Tufts. We're usually on the road, so I'm just excited to get out there, um, have a good practice Thursday, and then into Friday. What did it mean to get the games last uh, weekend at, at home? I know the previous year was a bit of a sting. What was it like to be at the Freeman Center last weekend? Five years of basketball here at CNU. My first time hosting an NCAA tournament meant absolutely everything. We had some pretty late games, 8.30 and 8. Still had a big crowd out there. Um, just thankful for the fans here. And uh, hosting felt great, felt comfortable here, and had two great games. Well, at least you're not in D1. It could have been a 9 or 10 o'clock game. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> craziness of all of that. Uh, again, I realize it's championship or bust, but when, when everything does come to a close, whether it's with a championship ring and the net around your neck or it's not, what's your memories going to be like uh, of playing for the captains? Um, nothing but happiness. I mean, like I said before, uh, it's like a family here. I know I'll have these girls forever, have the support of the administrative staff, my coaches, just made really good friends along the way and just nothing but great things about this place. What, what, by the way, what's the travel plans? What do you, what do you guys have uh, to get up to Tufts? What are you, what are you planning to do? Uh, I believe we're flying out on Wednesday, um, probably having a practice here before we leave and then just relaxing, enjoying our time in massachusetts before we play on friday uh C cliff carroll's just on the show he's the head coach at mary Harden baylor they're coming to the freeman center to take <laughs> on your men's program so the timing was totally on purpose on my part uh we were talking at the end about what they what what, what he should do for food coach k is trying to talk him into some barbecue he asked me about crab cakes i said well you're in the chesapeake bay region that that makes the most logical sense but you're from there and i'll be down there friday what what should we be looking for in terms of uh, the thing to eat Definitely seafood. Um, there's a nice seafood restaurant on the water in Pocosin, uh, where mm -hmm. I'm from. And then I think the barbecue that Coach K is talking about is 
Smoke, which is right down the street from seeing you. Okay, so maybe we can dabble in both. I, I could dive into mm -hmm. that. I could dive into that. All right, I'm, I'm good <laughs> with that. Uh, hey, uh, Sandra, really great to chat with you. I appreciate the insight on the team from your perspective. Uh, obviously, being a student athlete, it's crazy. Before I have my final kind of salvo to let you have the final word, I am curious, all this play, all this focus on academics, have you thought at all about maybe going to Europe and, and playing a little ball before you settle into the rest of your life? <laughs> Haven't thought that far yet. Um, have a tough team against Wartburg. Um, maybe maybe uh, after April 1st, hopefully, I'll start thinking about nice. the next steps. Nice. Nice. Well <laughs> done. Well played. I'll give you I'll give you credit on that one. You even knew the right date. That was well done. It took me a second, like April for. Oh, of course, of course. That's a championship <laughs> game. Hey, Sandra, we appreciate it. We always give the guests the final word. Any final thoughts you'd like to share with those who are tuned in? Uh, I just want to thank the fans that came out a lot, uh, the other night, um, Friday and Saturday, and then just supporting us throughout the whole season. Just want to thank my teammates, and my coaches, and my family for all the support, and just want to uh, give you a big thanks for putting a spotlight on D three hoops. Um, obviously. I, I think D3 is the way to go. I have it the best in academics and athletics. So thank you very much. Well, thank you for coming on. And I agree with you. It is the best, darn it all. Uh, <laughs> take care. Good luck this weekend. We'll look forward to seeing how it works out and maybe running into you down the road. Sounds good. Thank you. Absolutely. Sandra Fine, a fan joining us here on the Hoopsville Hotline presented by Huddle. Appreciate the time she gave us, especially with us running a little bit late. Uh, tough team there. They're on a mission. Obviously, after last season, they're on a bigger mission. That Warper game fascinates me. Uh, it's just bonkers uh, how good that could be. All these games are going to be good, let's be honest. Uh, on the other side of it, you've got Trinity and Tufts, by the way. I mean, this, just good games across the board. We'll take a break. When we come back, we will pivot back to men's basketball. Talk to Pat Miller from Wisconsin Whitewater. And again, we got some update from the Women's Committee. Committee Again, I don't know the contents of it. I haven't had a chance to sit down and read it, um, but we will get an update on things there. You're listening to Hoops Hope, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. Great moments are born from great opportunity. That's what you have here tonight. That's what you've earned here tonight. This is your time. Now go out there and take it. Responsibility is being accountable for your words and actions, first and foremost. It also is an obligation to be a positive influence in the communities around you. Being in a D3 program, you're gonna have lots of different opportunities. You're not just an athlete, you're also involved in student life. Your academics are extremely important. We give a lot of our student athletes responsibilities right from the start by giving them leadership opportunities, by having them engage in the community, be a positive influence. That's being a responsible person. 
We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's nearly 850 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over two decades. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. The National Association of Basketball Coaches is the nation's premier professional development and advocacy organization for basketball coaches at every level. The NABC strives to serve as the voice for coaches on national issues while advancing the core value of leadership, service, advocacy, education, and inclusion. To learn more about the NABC and to become a member, visit nabc.com and follow the NABC on social media at nabc1927. That's nabc.com or nabc1927 on social media. Once again, thanks to the NABC, the WBCA, Sport Tours International, and D3Hoops.com for their ongoing support of this Hoopsville product. And, of course, for all of you who've helped donate or 80% of the way to our goal, only one donation during the show, which is a little surprising. I uh, would love to hit that goal if we can. I was hoping by the end of the night that doesn't look like it's going to happen, but maybe by uh, the end of this coming weekend, too. But plenty of chances. Please consider helping us pivot into our third decade, if you can believe it. After 20 years, we're pivoting into our third decade of covering Division Three basketball. For uh, Wisconsin Whitewater, they got both programs into the sectional rounds, the women's and men. Of course, the women were all the way to the national championship last year before falling to hope like everybody did. Uh, well, Trying didn't once, but you know my point. For the men's team, it's been a little bit of a while since we've seen them to this point, but it's great to see the Warhawks back in the conversation. Pat Miller's got a good team on his hands, as I think he usually does. It sometimes just doesn't get noticed as much when you're focused on everybody else or a tough whack. And this year was a tough whack. Joining us on the Huddle Hoopsville Hotline to talk about the tough season that was is Pat Miller. Coach, good to see you. Welcome to the show. Thanks for taking your time or taking the time, not your time. It was my time taking anyway. How are you, sir? Good to see you. I'm great. Great. It's great to be here. It's been a while. Like I said, it's it's good to see you. Yeah, no, it has, but I'm glad to have you. Um, first, what's it like to have both programs dancing along? We just talked to Christopher Newport. We really need to got a sense of just the excitement generally sports have there. Whitewater is another one of those programs where Sports being good is kind of synonymous with the campus life. What's it like to have both programs sitting here on sectional weekend? It's great. And, you know, like your previous guest, who was great, um, talked a lot about culture. And, and Whitewater has a great athletics culture. And, you know, winning creates winning. You have a, a lot of driven people, and they're competing at the national level. You're seeing them have success. And, you know, everybody wants that. And, you know, that's Whitewater's been a great place for a long time. And a lot of success in different sports, men's, women's. A wide range of sports and obviously our women's program has been exceptional um, for quite a few years now and Carrie and I have a great relationship our teams support each other and feed off of each other so it's it's a it's a great dynamic we're fortunate because I know a lot of places it is not that yeah I can I agree with you there uh, nice to say to nice to see to say the least uh, it was a wild season listen we're used to wild in the WIAC um, but I, th- I felt like it was on another level, and the only one who doesn't didn't seem to get scathed until the very end was Oshkosh. What was it like to be in the conference this season? You know, it, it was actually it was a lot of fun. There there was a lot of parity, and you know, obviously, like you, I've been around this a long time, and, and kind of my take on elements of this year, I, I just think there's really a lot of good teams. You know, from 
five through 30 that, you know, maybe 35, 40, even that any given night can be very good. It seemed to me a lot of teams, you know, if their key players played well and they got contributions from a secondary player, they could really elevate and beat anybody. And conversely, some of the better teams, if they had an off night from a player or not someone step up, they could lose just as easy. So I think the parody was, was good in our league. Uh, it made for fun, a lot of really close games, a lot of really tough games. And, you know, it's one of the things we pride ourselves on is that our league schedule prepares us for the NCAA tournament. We, you know, play tough games every night. We see a lot of different things within our conference and you feel good going into the, into the tournament, knowing you have that experience. Season started with three straight wins over Augustana, Heidelberg, and Pitt Bradford. Uh, then you bumped into Hope North Central and Lacrosse in a span of four games, and they gave you your first three losses of the season. Then it seemed like things were back up and running, and you guys were clicking along. Uh, then you got into conference play: Eau Claire, Oshkosh, River Falls, and then Oshkosh a second time. It's got to be tough to go through the ups and downs, especially as a student athlete. How do you keep everybody focused on understanding that? You know, the world isn't coming to an end after you lose three or four games or that, hey, we can handle this even if we've lost three of the last five. We can we can turn the ship and, and we know where we can be even if they can't see it. Well, you know, you know, obviously every team's different, but w- with this team, you know, we, we started the year with a significantly different roster than we anticipated. Um, we lost our entire backcourt from last year. Uh, Gage Malunsic, uh chose not to play because of an injury, um, tragically lost Derek Gray. Um to a medical incident during the summer. So, you know, there was just a lot coming into the year. We had a lot of youth um, playing guys that, you know, they were starting that we thought maybe could contribute. And to this group's credit, they, they, they didn't panic. You know, I thought our early games, losing to Hope, they had some significant players, some fifth-year guys, uh, North Central the same. And what we just kept telling them is like, look, you know, we're going to be better later. You know, there's a lot of newness here. There's a lot of us, a lot for us to do. A lot of things we have to get into our system. A lot of understanding of reads and situations that, that that's going to have to happen. So we we were pretty positive with them. Uh, their effort has always been great. Very easy team to coach in terms of that. Uh, they're very unselfish. They like each other. Um, they have a common bond this year. So, you know, really it was just more. What do we need to do to get better? And, you know, the, we lost some, some close games, both the, the Hope and the North Central game were very close. So what? how do we improve five or seven possessions to get over the hump? And to their credit, they kept fighting. And, you know, through the last month of the season, I thought other than the, the River Falls game where that was our, our dud of the year where we just didn't play very well, um, we, we've been really good. And they've played hard and we've made progress. And, you know, I'm really happy with, with the way they're playing right now. You talked about Derek Gray there, something we were going to bring up. You guys, uh, unfortunately, losing Derek in the offseason, that can you know, be a tough thing to handle, whether it's offseason, in-season, preseason. It doesn't matter. It's a teammate. It's a brother. Tell us a little bit about who Derek was and, and how the team has kind of responded to all that. Yeah, it, it's really been a major theme of our season. You know, He was a spectacular basketball player you know led us in scoring rebounding he was our best defender uh exceptional work ethic great team guy great leader um you know the thing i like to say about him is he he really had a unique ability he connected with everybody um all his teammates the managers everybody he met and you know you learn more about people you know through the process of the funeral and 
all the great people that reached out and supported us. You know, whether I talked to people that went to grade school with them, high school with them, Whitewater, it was all the same. He was a great guy. He made time for people. He was a kind person, exceptional athlete. So it, it was really, um, it's even hard to put into words how staggering a loss it was. And, um, you know, for our players, you know, many of them were there when, when the incident happened. Um, and it really, uh, you know, when something like that happens, you have kind of two ways you can go. You can all come together and embrace each other, or it can become fragmented and people try to deal with it on their own. And to their credit, they really came together. Um, they've supported each other. Um, I couldn't be more proud of how they've paid tribute to him throughout the course of the year, whether it's you know, every practice we start with four push-ups, we break huddles with DG4. Uh, they wear shirts with DG4 on it. And um, he, he's, you know, he's not with us, but he's with us. And, and it's evident in their spirit. You know, I don't, I don't know what it is. If, if it's spirit, if it's love, whatever it is, it's, it's, it's very evident and it's powerful. You know, Coach Zimmerman from Emory texted me after we beat Oshkosh. And my comment to him was, you know, we're playing with like amazing purpose. And he said, I could literally feel that through the steam stream. And it, and he's right. You know, it was there. And like I said, it's hard to describe what it is, but it's there. And um, I'm really proud of these guys for the way they've hung in there and supported each other. And thankful for the number of people who have supported us, our whole program, his family. Um, it's It's been a horrible experience, obviously, but there's been some elements of it that have been that have been positive. Not to dwell on it too much, but did the DeMar Hamlin experience of that football game did that did that kind of rip open the wounds a little bit for you all as well since it hit relatively close to home and in, in in kind of the nature of it all absolutely it was um and, and it it hit me it hit me really hard you know i was listening to it on the radio got home and, and saw the scene and it was it, it it was it impacted me and you know we've been fortunate our, our health services have been great um, they've been around our team all year. They've reached out, and that was certainly a time where we reached out to them because you're, you're absolutely right. That definitely ripped open some wounds. And, you know, through this process, you know, and this is where I refer to the positive, I've had coaches reach out to me that have lost players and given me great advice. You know, they'll, they said, you know, just be vigilant because people grieve differently. It might be six months down the road, and you're going to have a guy in your office crying. Um, and they're 100 percent right. It's it's still something that's very present, uh, still something guys are trying to deal with. You know, even, you know, you know, I had a player say to me the other day, like, I don't know if I should even say this, but can, could you imagine if we had Derek and, you know, almost mm. guilty that that he thinks along those terms. And so, like I said, guys have been great. The support has been great. And um, but, yeah, the DeMar Hamlin thing certainly uh, had an impact. So. Well, the guys had to grow from it. They had to step into roles that Derek may have been filling. They had to understand maybe different expectations. You had a little bit of time to build from it. You had the season to build from it. You're building into this round of 16. Tell me about this team because you're, you know, statistically we see that uh, you've got, you know, four guys in double figures. You've got a handful of others who contribute. Everybody seems to rebound. You share the ball well according to the stats. You get your steals, you get your blocks, but tell me a little bit about this unit and how it clicks. You know, we, we have good athleticism. Uh, we've done a really good job attacking opponents, getting to the rim, getting the free throw line. Uh, we've gotten better defensively as the year has gone on. And 
it's just a, it's a it's a group that it, it may be one of the most unselfish groups I've ever coached. They they don't care. Um, they try to take advantage of matchups. They genuinely like each other. They support each other. And I think what's what's key with this team is we can score from different areas, uh, depending on on matchups. We our guards can score. We can score from the perimeter. Uh, you know Trayvon Chisholm, as well as uh, Capstrand can score inside. So we have balance in game in and game out. We can usually find a mismatch or two that we can try to exploit. And, and they, as the year's gone on and they understand our system better, they've gotten much better at that. And, and we've just, frankly, had some guys exceed expectations. You know, Miles Barnstable, you know, when I saw him play, he was, no one was really recruiting him. Um, and I knew right away he was going to be good. Uh, did I know he was going to be this good, this fast? There's no chance. Uh, his brother's <laughs> been great. And, and yeah. Trayvon, you know, I mentioned him. He, he had flashes the previous years, you know, struggled with consistency, didn't shoot well from the perimeter. And, and you know, he's a guy who's really embraced, you know, playing for Derek and his intensity, his intent, his improvement, his consistency has been off the charts. And, um, you know, you you know well how, how difficult it, it was to win at Case and how good they are. And um, Trey was, he was fantastic in that game, rebounding defensively, offensively. So it's just a team that has a lot of spirit we have good athletes a lot of unselfishness and they enjoy playing with each other by the way um i i've triple checked this all day long miles and 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 delvin the barnstables uh listed as a freshman and junior respectively are we sure because everything i see on video and and everything i see on pictures they look like twins and and i'm not convinced are we sure they're different classes are they twin what 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 do i don't know about these two I would accept Delvin being a freshman as well. I will not accept Miles being a junior because I'd like to have him around. No, they're brothers and they're great. They're they're best friends. They're Fair. great kids. They're 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 throwbacks. You know, all they want to do is play basketball and do their schoolwork. You know, it could be wow. the biggest football Sunday or Saturday college football. Did you guys see the games? No, we were in the gym. So just great kids, easy to coach, fun to coach, phenomenal athletes. So he's been a he's been a big plus, and you know when you have a player like him who produces the numbers, and he, he's the nicest kid ever. Like it's hard for us to get him to talk at times. Um, so he's just he goes about his business, and, and guys have really embraced him and his brother. So it's he's been they've been great additions. Yeah, Miles the freshman, Delvin the junior. I may have gotten those backwards because they look exactly the same. I'm having a more trouble though with the fact that at Whitewater. They don't know what's going on with the football team. That just feels a little surreal to me. Like, why, why wouldn't they know what's going on? Well, they're, they're focused. You know, Miles early on struggled a little defensively, as a lot of freshmen do. And, you know, things you don't hear from players very often. You know, about midseason, I said, hey, you're, 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 really, you're getting better defensively. You're making strides. And he said, you know, I, I just want to be good on defense so badly. I've been working so hard on it. And it was 100% sincerity and – Wow. Yeah, I have to be honest. I'm just, I think that's probably the first time anyone's ever said that to me <laughs> as a coach all my years. But uh, no, great kids, and and their work ethic is contagious. And that that's one thing with this team. They they work very hard. Effort is never an issue with these guys. That's impressive. Uh, tell me a little bit about the sequence here as we've gotten here. Obviously, it came with a, a conference championship against Oshkosh. That's impressive in its, in its own because Oshkosh, obviously – was the one to beat in the conference. They had gotten you by 19 in one game. They got you by 14 in the other. You got to be at their place. Um, 
just tell me, I mean, because, man, 92-79. Of all the bubble-popping games out there, I think the result of that one might have been the most surprising. Not the win. Yeah. I mean the spread. Yeah, the spread. We we played exceptionally well. And, in, you know, we had to play Monday in the conference tournament against River Falls. They missed a three at the buzzer. That would have ended our season. Fair. Uh, we had a really good win up at lacrosse. Um in our next game and you know i was pretty confident we needed to win the conference tournament to get into the ncaa tournament and, probably you know, these guys were were very focused they wanted to get in there and, and we had um we lost to uh oshkosh by four the second game um in a, a really highly contested game you're right uh, i can't do math you're right yep so so that you know i think guys felt confident they knew we needed that win to get in the tournament and, and i'm telling you they played with incredible energy that game, um, incredible purpose and shot the ball well. And it, it was, you know, I've had a number of those games in my career where your team is just firing on all cylinders and you just kind of sit back and make sure you don't get in the way and make sure you sub guys in and out when they look a little tired, but keep the rhythm going. And, and they did that. Oshkosh is obviously a very good team and they made their runs, but we responded. And I think, you know, two things that came out of that, obviously one, we got in the NCAA tournament and two, it gave them a lot of confidence that they could beat a team like Oshkosh. And, um, you know, lacrosse had a very good year. They were a little beat up at the end of the year, to say the least. You know, they weren't playing at the same level they did earlier just because of injuries. Um, guys were hurt but still playing, just not at the same level. So it, it was a huge confidence builder for us, and um, they've carried that energy and confidence, you know, the rest of the way. It's been interesting. I think we're 11 or 12-1 and one in true road games. So that's been an interesting uh, trait with this team. Our only loss was at Oshkosh back in January. And, you know, win at Heidelberg, who was very good. So um, th they've been good. And, you know, the game at Case was a, a, a tough physical game, a tough environment. And for our guys to respond the way they did, um, you know, I was pleased. And it, it showed more progress. You get Wabash in that first round. Of course, they've been to the Final Four last year. They had high expectations. They earned their way in kind of the same way you guys did by winning the AQ. Good battle there in that first game at Case. How did that one turn out, and, and did, was it was it what you expected? It was. You know, just watching. I think they're very well coached. You know, obviously they, they've, they've been winning, getting to the Final Four. And one of my friends uh, – put it best he said that they had a bunch of guys that are going to be good basketball players and playing until they're 50 and they're going to <laughs> keep getting better and better just guys that know how to play they were tough they were physical um so it, it, that game was very much like i expected I, I knew it was going to be a battle uh, a lot of respect for them and their program and then case was very much what i expected as well just really talented um great offensively great ball movement great combination of players and you know Again, I, I knew that was a game we would have to elevate defensively and, and play better than we had in order to try to stick around. And, and I thought we did that to an extent. You know, we some of their better players, we limited in terms of their, their shooting percentage. I thought we controlled their point guard, who's really good, reasonably well. You know, when he can get a lot of penetration and set yeah. guys up, they're, they're really hard to beat. So, again, with this team, a lot of it is just progress. Uh, we certainly made a bunch of mistakes in that game down the stretch that we need to correct. And, you know, it's nice to continue to win, be in this position, but still go back and say, okay, you know, the margin's going to get smaller. You know, we have to get these things corrected, and that's what we spent a lot of time on today. Six ties, 11 lead changes, but at one point, um, I think your largest lead was 11. 
this says late first half, but I, f- I thought it was maybe 9 or 10 at some point in the second half, and Case kind of ran back at you uh, and took the lead. And yeah. I remember thinking to myself, and I wasn't able to listen to the game. I had multiple games going on, including the one I was sitting at working myself. I remember thinking to myself, okay, this is – this is the test time. You know, we'll see what happens here if, if Case can hold on or if Whitewater will get back in it. And suddenly I turned back on and you guys were back in control of the game. And I know it ended up a three point game. So it was definitely back and forth after that. But those kinds of swings can just derail all the momentum. How did you guys rewrite the ship, as it were, after they got the lead and, and got back into it and then withstand holding them coming at you? Well, this team has had a, a pretty good calmness to them. And, and, you know, that doesn't mean we don't make mistakes, and we certainly made some at critical times, but they don't panic. And they, they just move on to the next play. They have pretty short memories. And, and like you said, we, we had a great run. They came back. Obviously, they're a good team. You know, they're, they're going to make runs. And, again, we didn't panic. Uh, we made plays. I thought we made some defensive plays. You know, we just struggled a little bit. Um, you know, we had a guy slip versus their press. We turned it over. Another guy just turned it over. And to their credit, they hit shots, uh, a couple of really tough, well-defended shots, which you expect them to do. But the, the overall calmness of this team it has been pretty impressive, especially for their for their youth. You know, we really we have one senior who's um, plays more a backup role, so we have all these guys back. So we're enjoying this, we're treating it as a learning experience, and um, and, and you know, just a good group and a, a confident group at this point. Hopkins ahead. Uh, team, I would be willing to bet you probably never played before. Um, at least that's off the top of my head. Uh, You're right. A diff- yeah, a little bit like Case maybe in the sense of, but very different. Uh, I just mean the, the, similar in the sense that when I watch the two teams, I, I get I see some similarities, but I, I'm not a coach. I don't dive in as much as you all do. What do you see with the Blue Jays? What do you see with Leffler's squad? And, and how do you think you, you match up with them? Yeah, I think they're very good. You know, what jumps out at you when you look at them number-wise is how good they are defensively. Uh, teams shoot low percentage from the floor, low percentage from three. Uh, they're dominant on the glass. I think they're plus seven overall rebounding. And then offensively, you know, very good move, movement, good motion, a lot of cutting, a lot of actions. They flow from one action to the other. Um, you know, just clearly a good team, very well coached. Um, so it, it's going to another challenge and like like i tell our guys it's it's every game is going to be harder it's going to be more intense um so we have to prepare accordingly i know it's looking ahead you've got one senior on this team uh and earl lewis and really in terms of statistics nothing against earl but everybody's back earl doesn't he isn't one of those guys who's filling up the stat sheet um so you bring everybody back from this I know you don't want to necessarily look ahead, but you've got to be pretty thrilled that this is the experience they're all getting to put into their memory banks for next season. There, there's no question, and that's why I thought it was so important for us to make the NCAA tournament. You know, even if we would have made it and, and not gotten through the first weekend, to have that experience, to see what it's like, to go through that, because it's always easy, you know, the second time or third time. Yeah. Um, you know, I remember, you know, Augustana when they were having their great young run. We played those guys when they were young and took it to them pretty good in the tournament. And they exploded on the back end of those guys. They were a bunch of freshmen and sophomores. And by their senior years, they were playing in national championship games. So 
the experience is valuable. Um, it, it's been a lot of fun for me as long as I've done this. You know, I don't know that we've ever played Wabash. I know I've never played against Case. Uh, we have not played against John Hopkins or at you know John Hopkins or at um, Randolph Macon. So well, seeing some new teams, going to some new places, has also been a lot of fun. If you get a chance to stick around at least for the second game, I think the first game will be pretty good. But if you stick around for the Randolph Macon game, which I suspect you will for scouting reasons, <laughs> buckle up. That place yeah. is another place uh, for that. And uh, listen, I'm not trying to compare it to to your place certainly, but it's just amazing. And I, and I that's what I love. I think I saw a Wisconsin team the first time, the first NCAA tournament I was at Randolph Macon. If Pat's listening, he'll remember because I was with him. Uh, and I thought that was cool. We kind of went away from that. I think it's awesome that you guys get to be at Ashland. Uh, and if you make it to the second night, I'll see you there. Um, I'm looking forward to getting down there for Saturday's games. But congratulations. This is pretty awesome to see you guys in the tournament and get the chats, to chat with you about it. And, and just the what-ifs are fun to talk about, too, including for next season. Uh, I'll let you go, though. I've taken enough of your time. As always, though, we give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those tuned in? No, uh, you know, the, my final thought would be one um, is is thank you for all that you do. You know, I, someone like me who's been around forever is well aware of the decades of work that you've done, how you've put Division Three basketball on the radar, uh, how you've made it so easy for us to see other teams. You know, long ago were the days where, you know, we'd never see Randolph making unless we saw him in person. You just, you know, now with video and the scoreboard easy access we all get to watch each other and it's uh you've done a great service for a lot of schools and a lot of players and a lot of parents and uh certainly know that it's 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 very much appreciated well thanks pat the guys certainly do a lot of heavy lifting i'm glad to be along for the ride as well and do my part and well it's guys like you being on the show that makes it a lot easier for us so I appreciate that as well. Again, hopefully I get to see you on Saturday if you're able to get past Johns Hopkins. But if Josh Leffler heard me say that, I deny it. I didn't say it at all. I didn't. Say, no, I, I wanted to see them. That's what it was. Well, it'll be a good, it'll be a good battle. I know that it'll be a fun. Game. No, I'll look forward to at least watching it for this for sure. Hey, take care. Thanks for the time. Uh, safe travels. We should have asked you. I assume you're heading out Wednesday. Yep, we're flying out Wednesday. So um, travel day Wednesday, and then get, get back to work Thursday and get ready to play. Yeah, very good. We'll enjoy it. Take care of yourself. We'll talk soon. All right. Sounds good. Thanks, Dave. Pat Miller joining us on the Huddle Hoopsville Hotline. Appreciate the time Coach had to give us, especially running a little bit late here tonight. Again, they got Johns Hopkins. That's a 4 p.m. Eastern time game there at Randolph-Macon. Should be a great atmosphere. Randolph-Macon on the other side of that, taking on Oswego in a battle of 1v6. That is going to be a bonkers good game as well. We'll take a break. When we come back, we'll wrap things up. We have to talk about a few things, uh, including Linfield men's basketball and some other updates. If you've got any questions, uh, you can send them our way as well. Tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com, etc. You're listening to Hoopsville presented by D3Hoops.com for the WBCA and ABC studios. More after this. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's nearly 850 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over two decades. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwest the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. Coach of the Year, Administrator of the Year, All-America Team. 
Wade Trophy. The WBCA doesn't just honor coaches, but players, administrators, and much more. The WBCA strives to honor those who have contributed to the advancement of women's basketball. Celebrate the present, honor the past, look to the future. It's on us. It's on all of us. And it's time to act now. It's on us to start the change. It's on us to be the change. It's on us. It's on Division Three. It's on all of us to stop sexual assault. I learned a lot of valuable lessons playing college football. I never thought about the health benefits of exercise until I actually started to talk to coaches in college. It's not only just for performance, it's for life. My coaches instilled the importance of well-being, not only building up strength, mental health, getting enough sleep, eating properly, it's all what it is to be healthy. I decided that I want to go on a personal trainer and share my knowledge that I obtained in college about physical and mental well-being. The National Association of Basketball Coaches is the nation's premier professional development and advocacy organization for basketball coaches at every level. The NABC strives to serve as the voice for coaches on national issues while advancing the core value of leadership, service, advocacy, education, and inclusion. To learn more about the NABC and to become a member, visit nabc.com and follow the NABC on social media at NABC1927. That's nabc.com or NABC1927 on social media. The National Association of Basketball Coaches is the nation's premier professional development and advocacy organization for basketball coaches at every level. The NABC strives to serve as the voice for coaches on national issues while advancing the core value of leadership, service, advocacy, education, and inclusion. To learn more about the NABC and to become a member, visit nabc.com and follow the NABC on social media at nabc1927. That's nabc.com or nabc1927 on social media. The National Association of Basketball Coaches is the nation's premier professional development and advocacy organization. Great moments are born from great opportunity. That's what you have here tonight. That's what you've earned here tonight. This is your time. Now go out there and take it.
Responsibility is being accountable for your words and actions, first and foremost. It also is an obligation to be a positive influence in the communities around you. Being in a D3 program, you're going to have lots of different opportunities. You're not just an athlete. You're also involved in student life. Your academics are extremely important. We give a lot of our student athletes responsibilities right from the start by giving them leadership opportunities, by having them engage in the community, being a positive influence. That's being a responsible person. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you're doing well. If you got questions for us, you can always tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, hoopsville at d3sports.com. Join us on Facebook or YouTube where we're live simulcasting the show. Facebook.com slash Hoopsville, YouTube.com slash D3Hoopsville. Um, Want to circle back on the conversation we were having with the Women's Committee and the decision made to go to Tufts. Uh, we did get some um, feedback on that, and I think maybe what I said wasn't totally understood uh, we understand that it came down to Trinity or Tufts. And whether who got the, the right to do that based on the criteria that is set for who gets to host. Now, remember, this starts from the basis that Christopher Newport can't host because they are the top seed in that group. And the men are hosting. So the women have to go on the road. So that leaves us, the three remaining are Wartburg, uh, Trinity, and, and Tufts. And ultimately, the decision was made to go to Tufts. And I indicated that the committee missed it, in my opinion, based on not sending it to Trinity. And what my opinion was based on is I think there was an argument to be made that Trinity is the higher-ranked team over Tufts using the criteria. That's where I just disagree. I understand looking at the bracket and looking at it all that Tufts is in the position. I said this on earlier that Tufts is in the position of number two, Trinity is in the position of number three, and number four would have been, the Warburg blew it up, uh, number four was Hope. So I understood that, I already knew that Tufts was in the two and Trinity was in the three. I, what I'm trying to say is I don't, I just disagree. I, I think that Trinity's win-loss percentage in a 6-1 v, VRRO despite a ginormous difference in SOS, I, I just, my leaning would have been to put them the two. That's all I was trying to indicate. I, I think it may have been misunderstood. Yes, I think if you, I was going down a further road saying if you really want to maybe change some things up and give Trinity it, despite already giving Tufts the two, that there are other ways to do it. Whether I'm right or wrong on that is is certainly um, certainly one worth arguing and, and worth having a conversation about. But my point was was strictly that I felt Trinity could deserve the two there, and that Tufts would be the three. And I understand that Tufts has a ginormous SOS. I understand they have a nine and five results versus regionally ranked. And this gets to the conversation we had with Rochester on the men's side getting into the tournament. Now, different win-loss percentage. So that's definitely a different conversation there. But my point about Rochester, and I said also earlier in the show, was I think at some point the SOS gets so far, and I mean on both directions. I also mean so far low that it's hard to measure and so far high that it's hard to measure. And the results versus regionally ranked get sometimes out of whack for Listen, remember when we had results versus regionally ranked opponents, for those of you who do? And this is where I, I, I asked Bob, because I thought there were more higher numbers at that year, but I'll, I'd have to go back and look, and it's been hard to find that number. But I remember 
we, we, we got astronomical amounts of results versus reaching ranked opponent numbers. And it just, it got to the point of being very hard to dive into. I think at some point you got to give credit, and I'm certainly not saying you don't give credit, but I think six and one versus regionally ranked opponents with a one loss on your entire resume with at least an SOS that's pretty respectable. I did not look at non-conference SOS. In my opinion, I would have put Trinity two. That's what I was trying to indicate, and as a result of them being two, they would have hosted. And that's where I think the miss was. I'm not, listen, committee does a lot of hard work. That I, I'm just disagreeing with them on that. They chose Tufts. So be it. That is that was a decision that was in in the pot and I and in the bracket and I see that. Um, I do get the sense um, this wasn't an in, there's parts of this behind the scenes that are that are difficult to go into that I get a sense that it's not it's also not cut and dry. Nothing is cut and dry. Um, listen, it'd be a lot easier if I could come on the air and say, "Hey, Trinity didn't even put into host this weekend." Or so-and-so didn't even put into host this weekend. And then the decision's cut and dry. I, I, I do get the sense Trinity put into host. So I, do, I want to at least eliminate that. So that's why it gets a little bit more complicated. I think maybe my point was misconstrued or, or misunderstood. Not misconstrued, misunderstood. Uh, I was trying to indicate that I felt you could argue Trinity being the two. And I said also that in that potting and the way it was bracketing, clearly they were labeled the three. And Tufts was labeled the two. Not physically labeled, but if you read a bracket, if you don't understand how to read a bracket, the top team is usually the upper team. The number two is usually at the bottom. And then three is who two faces, and four is who one faces. That's how the basics of it. Those of you who want to go into getting all 16 ranked, listen, maybe someday in our future. But right now, it gets too complicated with geography. You can't always do that. But in this case, Christopher Newport was definitely one. Tufts looked like they were the two. Trinity looked like the three. Hope looks like they were the four. Um... I just think there could have been an argument that Trinity was the two. That's where that because I think if memory serves, they were number one in their region. Um, and so again, that's where my perspective was on it. And so when I say it was a miss, I think my argument is if t- Trinity was considered the two, they go to Texas, and that's where it got missed. Uh, I, I hope everyone understands that. Maybe as I talk more, it just gets more complicated, and I apologize for that. Um, we also need to figure out something uh, in terms of the whole system. And I, I'm hoping to come out with a blog. I think our system works. I want everybody to understand this. We nitpick a lot. I think for the grand, vast majority of this system, it works. There are extremes that make it complicated. And I feel we get stuck in those, and, and I'm certainly at fault for that. And I don't think that always is helpful. But at the same time, I think it can help turn and make things better i've argued for a long time that sos should be on a bell curve i've argued for a long time that if a team gets through a a season 25 26 27 whatever amount of games with no losses or one that that's got to carry some weight and what i argued with barry was when you get to three or four losses that's where the weight comes off and and that the strength of schedule has got to have it but when a team with six losses with a monster SOS is ranked higher than a team with one loss with, in reality, an okay SOS. It's not a bad, it's not a sub-500 SOS. It was 521, I think. Then I feel 
there's a dis there's a there's a problematic message and this was my argument with rochester not everybody can go out and get a schedule like rochester or like some of these others where they can bolster the sos and sometimes i think the sos and it's weird because the men's side of field has gone too heavy on SOS, and we've, we've said that. I've said that. I'd like them to come back a little bit. Women have moved away from win-loss. I, I No problem with that. I'm glad the rest of the resume is discussed. But in this one, it felt like it got a little too SOS heavy. That's just my perspective on it. I'd like it to be where the win-loss has a little bit more of a say to slap back on the other criteria. I'm not saying win-loss needs to drive the ship. But Tufts had six losses going into the tournament. Trinity had one. Yes, Tufts had a 625 SOS and Trinity a 521, and that's a ginormous number. But that's where I think sometimes that's just no longer comparable. You can't sit there and go, well, that's so huge. It's that argument of two wins versus .03 in the SOS, four wins, .06, six wins, .09. NCAA stats came back and told the men's committee when they were doing that, stop. We cannot tell you that that's a legitimate line to make. This feels, you know, when we get to these extremes, that's what it starts to feel like. Well, their SOS is so huge, it's going to make up for the five games difference in the SOS. And that's where I'm just like, ah, can at some point Trinity just have the respect of getting through the entire season with one loss? Lancaster Bible back in 2016, I'd love to see them having gotten through the whole season. If they had lost, have respect for that, considering they got through a conference, even though their SOS was below 500. That's and, and that's not a that's not I don't know where the solution is there. Now we could talk about pairwise, and Pat had a great tweet today. Um I didn't see the full context on it, but the the question was wise people have told me that pairwise is just a tool dependent on the proper criteria to be used as inputs. Garbage in, garbage out. Um, And we've heard that from Logan Hansen too. If we can tweak pairwise to work the way we want it, great. But here's a little nugget, folks. Pairwise is designed by how how committees see their criteria. You know what's going to get revealed? Which one has priority? If they feel more weight should be given to SOS, then the next weight to win-loss, then the next weight to X, and the next weight to Y, then we're getting told the SOS is more important, and we now have our criteria in order. That's where pairwise may not be so great here because it forces committees to decide which is the better part of their criteria and what they're focused on. Is that is that fair? But at the same time, you got to figure out, well, you can't have one thing equal to another because that shouldn't have as much. And this is where it gets complicated. So my point again, I just felt Trinity getting through the season with just one loss, target on their back, everything involved in that, getting through a conference play twice. This is where you could talk about the NESCAC only getting through it once. Absolutely. I think this is where it's a valid argument. They only play each other once, except for the little three and the main three. Whereas Trinity has to get through its conference in a bit of, bit of a, a different beast, I think that's where you have to go, okay, well, that's why Trinity's SOS is so high. That's why, or I'm sorry, Tufts is so high, Trinity's is lower. But Trinity got through all of that with just one loss. Tufts suffered six. And in my opinion, I would have liked to have seen Trinity too in that in that case. Um, so I, I hope that was, I, I hope that wasn't, I think it was misunderstood at the beginning. 
This decision was based on seeds. Tufts was higher than Trinity. And I think that's where this started to, unfortunately, go in, against Texas. And that's what I was trying to get at, if that made any, I, I apologize if that didn't make any sense. I fully realized that it may not have. Um, and then on top of that, it's too bad that the way things are set up, whether it's as high as championships committee or higher up, we haven't figured out how to do better by how we divvy these things up. I don't know if we want to get into a rotational system per se, like we have men and women. I don't know what the answer is there. I promise you this. I'll be diving in with a lot of people who have good minds in Division Three and trying to understand this better. It's kind of the basis of what I've been, you know, Pat and I talked on a couple weeks ago, the idea of, of, of actually it was a week ago, wasn't it? Um, you know, some of the, an insider type podcast. Because I think these are the types of things we want to peel away and better understand and better grasp and better figure, figure out better and improve Division Three. And there's a lot of nuances that people don't fully understand. There's a very good chance, you know, the committee set up Tufts is two and Trinity three. You know, maybe the committee turned around and said, you know what, we're going to Trinity. And someone said, well, you can't do that. I don't know. This, this might have been higher up for all I know. Things have, crazier things have happened. So my point is, again, I'm sorry to misconstrue or get anybody to misunderstand. I just felt the argument was there for Trinity to be the two. The bracket was not set up that way, so that was our alert. And I think I may have confused everybody when I was trying to say all that. So um, there you go. Linfield men's basketball. Um, head coach is on suspension. Um, it stems from what I was reading in, in articles today uh, from an incident at I, the Whitworth game. Uh, now, remember, their season's over. This was at the end of the, of the last season. Um, oh, it was at the Whitman game. Whitman game. Yep, that's what I'm trying to say. During a February 18th game at Whitman, Linfield University men's basketball coach, and I'm reading from Oregon Live, Sh- uh, Shannon Rosenberg responded to a parent in the stands who was shouting, put the seniors in, put the seniors in, in the final minute of the team's regular final game of the regular season. Um, unfortunately, the article disappeared on me. I used to be able to read it earlier. I will have to try and find another version of it. I was re- I don't have it memorized. I apologize. Um, put the seniors in, put the seniors in. Um, he apparently spoke back to that parent um, as the game was coming to an end. Um, and as a result of that, the AD ended up suspending him. Um, according to the article from Oregon Live, um, Rosenberg, according to the law, the university officials told Rosenberg that they wanted him to leave his job, quote, because of an unrepairable relationship with the university. Rosenberg hopes, quote, and this is according to the lawyer, he can return to his role and avoid damage to the Linfield basketball program and the university as a whole. The media and public relations person at Linfield confirmed that he's suspended but called it a personal matter and they would not discuss, and that there was an ongoing conversation with team members and others. Again, put the seniors in, put the seniors in in the final minute. According to parents sitting behind the team bench, coach turned around and said something like, look, if you want to talk to me, talk to me after the game. Some parents apparently interpreted Rosenberg's retort as a threat 
while others attending the game said he appeared to make clear that he wasn't going to deal with the criticism during the game. The team's senior night had been held prior uh, during a prior Linfield game. Of course, they, they were on the road in this. Um, this also gets into parents heckling. We've been down this road before. This gets into maybe a relationship at Linfield that goes deeper than just this one incident. I'd be surprised if this is what draws him a suspension. Uh, In my words, if you want to talk to me after the game, from a coach in a game, basically says, I'm coaching right now. Speak to me later. If you took that as a threat, maybe I needed to be there and understand your interpretation of that. I never would have considered it that way. Um, according to Linfield University, Scott Nelson, an associate vice president for communication, a fan video of the 18th video of the 18th game showed an angry confrontation that lasted more than a minute, where Rosenberg at one point is gesturing angrily into the crowd and yelled, "Come outside after the game, sir. Let's have some words." Then Nelson said one of the team's players put a hand on the coach's arm, apparently trying to defuse the situation. Well, again. I understand the anger of a coach, but I'm still not taking that as a threat, but maybe I'm naive here. Players and some parents said that they tried to talk directly to the university AD that week, but the director told him it was a personal matter he couldn't discuss. Several parents and some of the players trailed by two campus security officers, then went to campus on the 18th, that was six days later, to try and speak to the president, Miles Davis, who was in a board meeting. Davis ultimately emerged from the board session and met with the group in the room for about 45 minutes. And they pleaded with him to read a stack of letters and support a coach and explanations of witnesses of what actually happened. Um, apparently, Rosenberg had been brought into a meeting earlier that day with HR um, and told he'd be fired on the spot or could take 21 days to consider a proposed severance agreement, according to his lawyer. Um, the AD emailed the basketball team telling the pl- members that the coach is suspended was still in place until we have a resolution. Listen, we've had a lot this year um, in terms of decisions made by coaches, behavior of coaches, whatever you want to call it. They've all been different. We did reach out to try and see if we could talk to Coach Rosen um, Rosenberg. Um, understandably not available. Almost every coach we've reached out to this season has not been available in situations like this. Whether it was at Albion, Concordia, Chicago, the only exception was Mary Harden Baylor women's basketball, um, where Morehouse was very happy to come on air and talk. Um, but he had already been fired by that point, so there's some differences there. I'm not sure what's going to happen here. Uh, Shannon Rosenberg has been at Linfield for a long time, has a winning record. Uh, led them to a conference championship not so long ago. There's an element here of and I am a parent of a kid who plays in sports, I don't sit there yelling at a coach at what he's supposed to be doing. And I can understand a coach being pretty angry at a parent for trying to dictate terms of how he's supposed to coach in the moment. Should he be angrily telling a parent, I'll meet you outside? I don't know. But this is one another example of where things have really changed in sports. And uh, it's unfortunate. We'll see what happens, but from reading from that, it sounds like Rosenberg's going to be out at Linfield. Um, I can't go on about anything else I've learned, but I do get a sense that 
There's more to it regarding his suspension and ousting of from Linfield than just this incident. And I don't think it's necessarily behaviorally based, but I'll leave it at that. Um, I, I'm, I'm going to make I'm going to say something based on the assumption that parents went too far. Okay, so bear with me. Maybe the parents didn't go so far. Maybe maybe it's the coach. But I'm, I'm going to I'm going to say this based on maybe parents going too far. It'd be really nice if parents would sit down and just enjoy the game. I know you're mostly invested in your child. I know you're mostly invested in what they have done. I know you are emotionally invested, sometimes financially invested, in what they have become as an athlete. But enjoy the game. Don't tell the coach how to coach. There isn't a coach I know out there who in the very final game of the season, knowing that there is no postseason to come, or even in that moment in the postseason game, there isn't a coach I know, and I've been one myself, who doesn't think, this is the last one I should get some guys in. Um, it doesn't mean it happens, though, especially on the road. At home, much more likely, you're in front of your home fans. It's senior day. Just enjoy the game. Stop yelling at officials. Stop yelling at game operations. Stop yelling at... Um, coaches to coach how you want them to coach. I saw a video the other day of a coach climbing over the stands and grabbing a hold of a parent who at one point was yelling across the bench at the coach during a timeout. Um, Redonkulous, in my opinion. By the way, hats off to somebody who rounded up our uh, tote board. (laughs) Um, mind-blowing to me, to be honest with you. Um, I don't understand the concept where parents feel that their word is is what should be followed. Um, disappointing. And again, that's based on the assumption that the parents decided to tell the coach how to coach and tell him when to put him in seniors. And he finally had enough and turned around and said, enough, and a few other words, and parents didn't like that, and they decided to yell back at him, which just escalated it while the game wasn't over. Um, it's a shame. It's a shame we have individuals out there who think that they can, uh, yeah, just it's just disappointing. But we'll see what happens. Uh, the coaching carousel is up and running, obviously. And it looks like Linfield men's basketball will be added to that list. Um, I don't want to see Coach Rosenberg go necessarily, but maybe maybe this is a blessing in disguise for him. He can find a job somewhere else. Though, granted, this doesn't help his departure. And I think that's another part of this that frustrates me a little bit. Um, but we'll see what happens from there. But we'll keep an eye on that one. And if we get an opportunity to talk to him. Or we get to follow up on the Albion case. Or we follow up on the Chicago, Concordia Chicago case. Um, we will do our best to, to bring that to you, whether it's next show, a month from now, sometime in the off season. We'll certainly do our best to do that. In the meantime, men's and women's basketball games get going this weekend. Should be an awesome tournament of games. Um, obviously less, so in other words, you can enjoy more. <laughs> On on Friday the 10th. Uh, I will be at Christopher Newport for the games on the 10th. 
Then my plan is to head to Randolph-Macon for the game on Saturday. On women's side, they'll start off at 4.30. Trying and NYU will get things going. Those games are then alternated every 30 minutes. So 4.35, 5.36, 7.00, 7.38, 8.30. Yes, there's a 6.30 game missing. I do, I do realize that. On the men's side, everything starts at 4.00, and everything is rotated on 15 minutes for the most part. Um, but it, there's a little bit of a gap. So it's a 4, 4, 15, 4, 30, 4, 45. Then they'll take the break, do the 7, 7, 15, 7, 30, and 7, 45 games. On the men's side, uh, it starts off with Whitewater at Hopkins at Randolph-Macon, then Nichols at Stockton at Swarthmore, followed by St. Joe's and Wheaton at Christopher Newport, and Oshkosh and Rowan at Mount Union. The women will go try and NYU at uh, Transylvania, Wartburg, Christopher Newport at Tufts, Rhode Island against Chicago at Babson, and Trinity and Whitewater. But we'll get a chance to talk about this on Thursday. Already sending out guest requests. Swarthmore men's basketball will be on the show. Um, who else have we already heard back from? We've heard back from some others. I apologize. Um, scanning my email real quick. Trine women's basketball will be on the show. Um, I know we've sent out others. I just don't... Oh, we believe Wheaton men's basketball will be on the show as well. And we've got three others that we've sent out. And we'll circle back on as well. So those... To look forward to on Thursday's broadcast. Hope you enjoyed this one. Went much longer than anticipated, but great conversations with all. Thanks to you who have donated tonight. We're 81% of our way to the goal now and looking to push push it beyond that if we can. Um, I'm actually double-checking to make sure I didn't miss another one in there somewhere. <laughs> Getting recommendations from Christopher Newport on some uh, places to eat. Thank you, Chip. Appreciate that. And with that, we'll wrap it up. I want to thank our guests, Brock Erickson from Nichols, Cole Vivian from Marietta, Dina Appleberry from Mary Washington, Cliff Carroll from Mary Harden Baylor, uh, Sandra Fan from Newport, and from Whitewater, Pat Miller. And I'm going to try and go the SIDs off the top of my head, but I may have to revert to my email. Um, yep, I already have to because I, I knew I was going to forget one at Nichols. Um, no, it's Nick at Nichols. Nicholas, no, Nick at, right? Yeah, no, I'm right. Nick at Nichols. Um uh, hold on. There is one. Sorry, folks. I usually write these down, but today I actually didn't because I thought I had them all memorized. Um, anyway, so Nick at Nichols, Jeff at Marietta, Clint at Mary Washington, Sarah at Mary Harden Baylor, uh, Rob at Christopher Newport, and Angela at Whitewater. There we go. I got them. I just I needed to figure out that one, and we were good to go. Thanks to all the SIDs for their help as well for uh, helping us get this show on the air. I want to thank Sport Tours International. We're already talking about next year's D3Hoops.com Classic. If you're still trying to fill out your schedule and you're one of those teams that thinks they've got a chance at getting to the NCAA tournament next year or need to be in a position to bolster your resume for such an opportunity, contact us. We'll get you in touch with Sport Tours International. We've got some great teams lined up. Um, looking forward to getting more there. Uh, expecting a great group and you should be part of it. Plain and simple. But, you know, we can't take everybody. So if you want to get in on that, let us know soon. Again, competitive group out there. We want to have yours. But thanks to Sport Tours International for supporting us. Thanks to the NABs, the National Association of Basketball Coaches, and the Women's Basketball Coaches Association, the WBCA, for their continued support of this show. Thank you to D3Hoops.com as well. Pat, Pat, Ryan, Gordon, and everybody on the staff. And, of course, all of you who helped us get to 81% of our goal as we slowly inch our way up. Uh, we'll be back on the air Thursday, 7 o'clock Eastern. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Really appreciate it. Hope you enjoyed the show, and we'll look forward to talking to you down the road. If you want to talk Division Three basketball, you've got to listen to Hoopsville. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. We'll talk to you soon.